Witches and mortals seldom do mix, but when mixed marriage is on the cards, insanity pursues with the classic 60s sitcom Bewitch, with your co-hosts, Vicky Ray, Rod Labby, and Keith Chandler. Witches have never been so exposed before. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and it's Bewitched um, episode. We're doing season one, episode 17 through 20. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We have Jesse Fultz with us. Hello, Jesse. How are you? Hey, how's everyone doing? <laughs> and we have Vicki Ray. Hello, Vicki. Hi, everybody. And I'm Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. So, Vicki, what have you been up to since I talked to you last week? Oh, uh, not a lot because it's cold. People are getting sick. So I haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot. I started painting because my house needs a little spit and glue. And some people sent me a couple books they wanted me to read and do a couple book reviews for them. And uh, just started catching up on my soap episodes and realizing how funny they really are. I like revisiting those things. They're pretty they're pretty cool. I binged watched all of Cobra Kai, so that means I have to wait for another year because I couldn't help myself. Oh, I did that. I finished that off, and I, at the end of it, I was like, no! I know! <laughs> I did start watching the new stand on CBS All Access. They, they, they teased me with two or three episodes, and I'm sitting here, it's like, well, do I want another, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I could binge it the first season in seven days and not pay for all CBS Access. But it looked really good. I was really pleased with the first few episodes that I saw. When's that? Is it started now? Is it on? Yeah, now? yeah. This uh-huh. is on, on, it's on CBS Access, whatever. Okay. Well, I'll have to watch it through a pirate site. Yeah, and I start. Yeah, I'm gonna. Have to, <laughs> that's that's what I'm gonna start doing. I think. And I've I got IFC, you know, lately because I've been really liking the movies they've got on. There's a lot of independent. Oh yeah. On there. So I've been enjoying that. Oh a lot yeah, lately. we have that over here. And I watched Greenland and I thought it was going to be like deep impact or something. It was okay. But, you know, if you're going to want to watch it, wait till it's like $3.99. Don't pay $19.99 for it because you might be disappointed. But other than that, just the usual um, waiting for, you know, racing to start. Uh, It's been so cold. We can't really do it when it's like feels like 38, even here in Texas. So. We're just taking it week by week like everybody else. We survived the first week of 2021, and it's off to a hell of a start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's into that. <laughs> All those foolish people. Oh, this year is going to be so much better than next year. I know. I yeah, didn't even say that. I didn't even say that. It's like, I, there's no New Year's resolutions. I have no expectations. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, I didn't see one person say, 2021 is going to be my year. Not one person on any social media that I saw. Well, I had to then say that outside of COVID, 2020 was okay for me, actually. It wasn't bad. Well, yeah, but you had all that, you know, sick people and the sadness that went with that. No, but I lack empathy, so that didn't bother me at all. That is true. um, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, but as far as like, you know, the podcast we went from strength to strength every, you know, people, more people listen to us. It, that was positive, um, <laughs> which is good. Um, I got a chance to do like other stuff. You know, I saw a lot of good telly and I yeah. watched some films and turned on some music. I probably would never had time to listen True. to. I, I found I mean, I did I found, and keeping in touch with other people and reaching out to new people and 
So it's been positive. So it has had a positive influence. It hasn't all been negative. It's been kind of sucky, but it wasn't all negative. I'm hoping that people, there's just, there's just gotta be a way. That's all I can say. There has to be a way. I mean, for someone who's as antisocial and, you know, bordering on sociopathic behavior. I mean, for me, it's been great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a recluse myself anyway. I'm not really missing anything. I kind of like staying home with my dogs. I don't have any problem with it. I got, I've met some new girls though. I'm going to have to met some new friends and stuff for the last six months. And they're kind of, they're a lot of fun. And it saves me from telling people when they invite me to go somewhere that I don't have to make up an excuse. So it's like, no, sorry. I gotta go. (laughs) I don't feel so bad. You know what I hate is like when you say you're going to go out and then all of a sudden it's like, oh damn, it's cold. It's federal. I don't want to go out. And you're sitting there trying to, you know, you know, all you just have to say is I was exposed to COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see see you on the other side (laughs) in three weeks. Whoops! At uh, the three weeks later, nope. Someone else has got it down. My next, you know, my, my other ass got it. Another three weeks. It's like, then you start thinking, like, oh, my third cousin's um, fourth time removes got it. Sorry, I can't go out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Eddie, what have you been up to, Jesse? Oh, way too much stuff lately. I've had so much going on. Um, I know you've I been did, ignoring us. Uh, I'm taking it personal. Yeah. i got accepted into college all right Um, congratulations outstanding yeah thanks yeah so that's been something i've been doing i've been uh i guess doing like orientation and stuff like that uh taking art studies visual arts you know uh yeah so i wanted to get better at that and uh maybe see what i could do to get better at some of the goals that i have um and then yeah so all of that and I'm there's been some renovating going on so rearranging furniture I'm actually fixing up furniture using this leather paint you know like that really fake leather mm-hmm. yeah you know that fake leather that they have where it peels and stuff after right. like years of having it oh like um, vegan's clothing so throwing it away <laughs> um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you take like either sandpaper or like a a butter knife and then you just scratch off the fake leather as clean as you can or just you know sand it down if it's not peeling off and then you just paint over it with leather paint um and it's actually working pretty well but it takes you have to quite send a me pictures to, uh, I've got some, depending on send me pictures when you get when you get done i want to see what the finish looks like just for grins because i've got stuff i got i either throw it out oh, sure. or you do it you know I'd be interested to see what it looks like. Yeah. 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 Cause the, the paint itself um, has like this kind of uh, shellac kind of Look glossy finish the way that, you know, leather looks when it's done. So if you put enough love um, layers on, it does kind of build up until it gets to the desired effect for the most wow. part. I've never um, even and heard And if you that. look at the videos, there's some videos on, I know I, I haven't either, but there was a few videos on YouTube that I've seen where they actually had really good results. So I'm trying to get it to that. And then after you put the coats of leather paint on, then I have like a varnish that you put on and that um, is supposed to keep it all um, from continuing to peel. And you can even paint sections that you think are going to peel because there's some cracked areas that I might uh, paint over and put the stuff on before they, uh, they start to peel. Because it is quite annoying having like all these black 
ashy patches all over the floor just from the stupid chair. Actually, there's three pieces of furniture that are peeling. So it's a really big project right now. Um, I've had to do um, a footstool. I've had to, I'm working on sanding off a chair. And then there's a couch that I still have to work on. So it's <laughs> a lot, but it's, it's a fun, unique craft project that I've never done before. So well, it's important uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. And not throwing away. There's probably something I'm forgetting. Yeah. I mean, it's good that you're restoring old things and not throwing them away. Cause if you threw yeah. away old things, Vicky wouldn't be here today. This is true. So. <laughs> now that we know that you started college, that would explain all of your, your drunkenness <laughs> and why you don't show up for podcasts. <laughs> That's you, Jesse. I don't get drunk. Are you kidding? <laughs> I haven't even I haven't been to college yet. It's it's all orientation. It doesn't start till the spring, actually, like in a couple of weeks. So well, hopefully you'll be hopefully you'll be yeah. able to go. Most of the Keith, classes. Hey, and speaking of old, Keith is old today. He is as old as me. So if we're gonna start um, talking old, okay. Yes, I'm 56 today. You start whipping out those jokes, Vicky. Yeah. Every breath I take is one step closer to my grave. Embrace your age. Embrace the madness. Uh, (laughs) I'm fine with it, to be honest. I just know know it's just one step closer to my demise. Every breath I take, away I'm going. (laughs) One step, a toe is now in the grave. (laughs) I barely got a toe in 2021 right now, so... Uh, that'll be that'll be COVID um twenty where you lose your appendages. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll be oh, dying. Oh, we'll be yeah. using our nose. COVID twenty two. <laughs> yes, but um, uh, so anything else you've been up to, Jess? Uh, mostly just all of that. Uh, yeah, there, it's there's been so many different kinds of errands that I've had to run just to get all of that in place. Um, and kind of establish uh, residency in my current vicinity. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's been that, and then I have to, you know, apply to all these different things like um, medical insurance. I got my ID for the state, and then I've been watching The Crown. Like when I actually have I've, some time totally to spare. I totally binge watched The Crown all four seasons. I think was it four seasons? I would if I could. I, I yeah, did. yeah, four I seasons of watching it. It was a train wreck. I couldn't. You knew the history for the most part. You really don't know how much of it's true, but you know that most of it probably kind of, you know, sort of happened. Yeah. You know, I, I really like though. In in retrospect, I watched oh. the Queen with Helen Mirren. That I'm was not... really good too. <laughs> I love Helen Mirren. She's just fantastic. Yeah. Did you know they were by they're Did you know they're by the same? Uh, producer, or director, or whatever—I forget—but the same guy that made the, um, that also made oh, really? the show, and also might have made the audience, which is like the plays that all of these are based off of. I Everybody think so. Keeps yeah. To watch the but queen. I know that the, the Queen, Gambit, the what, movie what with it? Helen Mirren, and the King or Kings with the Queen's Gambit, or oh yeah, the Queen's Gambit. Is that any? Yeah. Everybody keeps um, talking about it. The Queen's Gambit because it's about a female chess player. Yeah, I heard that. a lot. Of it's about a female. Um, it's got Anya chess player. Got Anya Joy in it. Yeah. From the witch. Yeah. Oh, that's what we were watching. I've been watching the news from um, last season of Sabrina. That's what I've been watching too. I got three three episodes. Wait, that's out now. Oh, is it good? I, it's it's a, it's not bad at all. I mean, it's following along the lines, you know, the changes and the you know, but it is probably the last season. I'm assuming so. Yeah. 
I'm on episode three. It's pretty it's annoying because Riverdale. I'm I'm annoyed because Riverdale has so many seasons and Sabrina's way better I'm than Riverdale. Riverdale. I just start, I don't understand. <laughs> Riverdale's starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Archie's getting on my nerves a little bit. Just now, just <laughs> now, I I've been annoyed for it for like way too many seasons. It's just it turned into so many different things. I think I stopped watching it in season. The last season, I didn't yeah, get all the way through the whole it. season. Yeah, pretty much I haven't watched anything new yet when it, it comes to Riverdale at all. The only thing I, the only thing I'm addicted to that's really crap three, is four, Dynasty, and so I'm waiting for the new season of Dynasty to come out. I have the new not Dynasty. started the new Dynasty. I don't know why I have not gotten into uh, it yet. I am such an Elizabeth Moss fan. She is bloody fantastic, and when she opens her mouth and sings, your mouth just drops open. I mean, she's. Her and Ariana Grande are like best friends, and they kind of started out the same. They're in the same musical together. Right. And they were in a show together, a TV show called Victorious on Nickelodeon as well. And I just love her. I think she's fantastic. You know, I've got to the point where I've, she did a rock and roll show called Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll with Dennis Leary. And I downloaded the soundtrack to that. She's bloody fantastic. And I was the reason why I watched Dynasty because she's a fantastic Fallon. Well, I heard so, Dynasty, the new Dynasty is just outstanding. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Really I haven't seen it, but I've told that it's a must watch. I love the old Dynasty and they said I'd be probably like this one just as much. Mm-hmm. I always like, so I like reboots. I just don't like all of them. That's all. I don't want to see the new Exorcist with the new CGI. Like, you know, it's like, don't, don't do that. Why are you going there? You Wait, know, but, CGI. You know I, 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 I find with T, I what? find with. There's CGI for that? Well, that, that everything's. Well, it's the new exercise. They're working on it. They're not going to, they're going to probably, you know, make it look more realistic. I don't know how you can make it more realistic, but I mean, I, I mean, I was happy with the old exercise. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I don't mind reboots of TV shows because you can take them in different directions. It's reboots with um, films. I find, find difficulty in because the thing is, a reboot on a TV show, you got so many different avenues you can go down to, and you have a long sweeping storyline for over a number of episodes that you can make it very interesting. When you do a film, you only got an hour and a half. So you end up like retreading the same ground over. Oh, uh, when through. they were made Dirty Dancing, I watched it for five minutes. The new Dirty Dancing, I watched five Wait, minutes. Did they of remake it. Like, that? Well, they did a TV version of it. Was the, a TV version, but that was but bad. but it's a Broadway musical of it. They turned it into a Broadway musical show. Well, that so. I would watch. Well, that's what that's what you saw. That's what. That, no, this was a movie. No, I know, a, but but it was based on the musical. That's the reason why they started singing in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't remember singing in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, I didn't watch started, the middle of it. I was disgusted in the first five to ten yeah, minutes. They, right. they, they, start, they start singing, and you're like, they didn't sing Dirty Dancing, but then it's like, oh, it's the musical version of the I movie. didn't know that. Well, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing it on Broadway, but I just didn't. No. It's a bad... I had to, to be honest, it's one of those movies I enjoyed, but now when I watch I think, God, this is really badly acted, and it's such a bad, bad film. <laughs> it's not like Flashdance. I love Flashdance when it came out. I watch it now going, this is a really bad film. I loved Flashdance. Or Footloose. Footloose is the same thing. I love Footloose when it came out, but if you watched it recently, you watch it now going, this is quite a bad film, actually. It was pretty <laughs> cheesy. It's cheesy, but it was the 80s. What do you want? Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Speaking of bad yeah. movies, speaking of bad movies, I did go on Christmas to see Wonder Woman 1984. I heard that was going to be like the best movie ever. I didn't ever, see it but yet. I haven't seen it There's been a lot of... It's it's good, but at the same time, it's also bad. So if if you're like a Wonder Woman fan, Wonder you'll Woman? love it. But if you, yeah, it's still Gal Gadot. Um, okay. But 
it's like a totally different vibe from the first movie. So if you've seen that and you like the whole grounded in reality and you want a more cartoony, um, sillier kind of superhero movie, I think you'll like this more. But if you want or are expecting a more grounded in reality version of Wonder Woman, you might not like this movie as much just because it's like, it, it feels like a Disney uh like princess kind of movie but also like a cartoon superhero movie and is also like the, or is, uh, it a, is it a movie no it's a, it's, a it's, it's it's a live action it's hmm. it's the live action i saw it i passed um, it's just I a totally different vibe i had no clue they i knew that it was out but i didn't know that i just i, I just cruised by it and i didn't even notice yeah <laughs> I mean, I I saw the first Wonder Woman film, and I I mean, a lot of people loved it. I thought it was okay, but then again, I started. It's I don't know. I have difficulty with. I think I have difficulties with my same difficulty with superhero films. The same difficulty I have with Star Wars. Everyone loves them. I just can't get into them. I started going. I had Disney Plus. I've had the time off. I thought, well, start the Marvel films because it's on Disney Plus. So I started my timeline. Captain America. I like by the time I got to Iron Man, which is like the third film, I was like can't do this anymore <laughs> no i'm i'm kind of the same way but i like specific superheroes so those are the movies that i actually go see but as far as like mm-hmm. superhero movie genre it's kind of annoying just because it's they, they don't pay attention to reality or stick to like you know there's no they don't have any responsibility or any, or any inca- uh, accountability so when they interact with the world, they don't interact with it in a real way. So you don't feel like they're, they're real. You don't feel like there's any stakes for the most part. Um, so I feel like when you're watching a movie, when there's no stakes, you don't really feel involved with it as much as you might want to. Um, so that's my problem with superhero movies. Um, and they, and, I don't and know. They all, they and they all have the same so plot, though. Out. They always have the same plot. Exactly. Well. Yeah, that, that too. And that's something that frustrates me. So if I ever... Actually, one of my favorite superhero movies of all time is The Incredibles. And that's not even set in the Marvel or DC universe. It's like a Pixar mm-hmm. Disney film. And just because of the way that they interact with the real world is much more mature than anything you see in DC or Marvel. Because they mm-hmm. actually have consequences um, with the government... Um, and, and things like that. So I don't know if you've seen those, but if you like superhero movies, I would definitely check those out. Yeah, I think the only superhero movies I liked were the Chris Nolan Batman films. I love those. And okay. the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. I like those. Well, the first two. I yeah, liked. those were better despite not... Yeah, those were better despite not being comic book accurate, but I think those maybe were the more popular ones. I don't like the, the new Spider-Man no offense to people who do. I'm just so sick of Spider-Man and Batman reboots because those are the ones yeah. that you see rebooted the most. Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman, even though they're different universes. <laughs> well, yeah, they just keep rebooting. They keep yeah. rebooting it. And I think Spider-Man, I mean, didn't they reboot that? In the last 20 yeah. years, it's been rebooted three times. So, but... Well, yeah, myself, at least. Yeah, at least. I know. It's like, oh, who's going to play it next? At least it's not the guy who always looks like he's constipated. What, Andrew Garfield? He always looks like he's constipated. He's, he's going to like, the, <laughs> he's going to the Andrew, Andrew McCarthy school of acting. Andrew McCarthy, like in all those not 18 comedies, Pretty in Pink, so on and so forth. Always looks like he was constipated. It was like, ooh, I was like, he's like, put, it's like, is he in thought or is he actually constipated? But <laughs> Andrew, Mc, Andrew Garfield's the same kind of way. It's like same kind of acting style. Um, for me, I finished Cobra Kai with talking about reboots of a series. 
that is bloody fantastic. It's taking Karate Kid and up, actually lifted it further. That was excellent. Yeah, and they had new characters that, well, not new, old new characters that are coming in to season three, which I won't say because yeah. it'd be a big spoiler. But it, it, it's fantastic. It, I mean, if you like the Karate Kid, I just they, I just think they did a great job with this series. I can't sing its praises enough. I just think I, actually, I right. actually never saw the Karate Kid until this year. I've never actually seen it. I'm, it was around and everyone, I knew a lot of people that were, I've been never went around and saw it. I thought, <laughs> Karate Kid. But I did, I watched Cobra Kai the first two seasons and then I saw the Karate Kid and I actually, yeah. And I think that's what's great about Cobra Kid, Kai though. You don't have to be, have to see Karate Kid to actually really enjoy it as well. Right. So. I like their the karate, flash, the karate Kid makes you enjoy it more. But it makes you enjoy it more. Yeah, you know I mean? well, it's nice to see the evolution of their lives. You know, the, the, the new, you know, what's the, the, the con, what, what I would say controversy or the problems and the contention they have. I mean, cause they kind of carry it through their, you know, life and then they meet up and again, and, and it's just, and then you got the main, you know, jackass in there between them, just, you know, the main catalyst, the antagonist, whatever. I just think it's done so well. I mean, I, I even, yes, if you, if you didn't see the karate kid, you know, you'd, you'd probably like it. You know, I had Asher watching it, but then it started getting a little, a little adult stuff going on. Not a lot, but mm-hmm. right over the head, you know, eight-year-old's head. But he likes karate, so. <laughs> Another thing I saw on Netflix that I liked a lot is a film called I Am Woman. Um, it's about Helen Reddy and her life story. I, have, I don't think that's here yet. Really good. It that. stars Evan Peters in it from American Horror Story. He's in it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's, re- it's really good, actually. I mean, I didn't realize... I mean, I knew her music. I grew up with her music, you know, Delta Dawn. Yeah. She's got one of the most bizarre um, story songs ever, Angie Baby, yeah. about this girl who kills her boyfriend and hides him underneath the bed. I mean, she, she had some, I mean, they all sound like sweet pop songs. And you listen to the lyrics and it's like, ooh, these are really dark. But she was fantastic, actually. And I always, it I makes sense always, that you'd like that. I was always a fan of hers. I mean, and then she came out with the, the woman anthem, all, you know, of all times, I am woman, you know. But it's quite interesting. I didn't know anything about her life story. And she died about a month ago, didn't she? So, so yeah, it was really good. And then her best best friend was known as the mother of rock. And she wrote the Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll. And she's the only person who's ever been able to do that. So Really? Was, yeah, so it had a little bit of her story in there as well. So, so I highly suggest that. Wow. So And then I started watching Sabrina. I got through the first three episodes. I'll work yeah, my way through, through that. So, and... I hope it's okay. Um, I have to sit there and say that my heart's not in it like it was before. So. Is it on again? Sabrina, yeah. Oh, no, okay. I thought you were talking about a different one. Yeah, yeah. my yeah. heart kind of isn't into it, but I'm enjoying it. But I'm not dying yeah. to see it like I was before, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I don't so maybe, know what I mean. I still, so maybe don't like I, I still don't like her as Sabrina. I think she's, I mean, to me, she's fine. I, you know, I don't, there's... But that's it. She's just fine, though. But when you compare it to the rest of the actors, the rest of the actors and the rest of the cast are so much better. And they they actually feel like they're the character. She feels like she's acting too much. And if that makes any sense, I know that might sound like a nitpick, but I kind of get it. I kind of get it. In the the first trailer for this season, I seen her like looking around at her aunts while everyone was singing happy birthday to her. And the way she was like looking at everyone felt so disingenuous. Like if I seen a person like that in real life, like, Oh, they're just so fake all the time. She just feels fake. (laughs) Not the actress, but the character. 
but you know, I always found problems with Sabrina, whether it was the Melissa Hart one or whether it's this one or even the cartoon that you actually, right. the, the ants are always a lot stronger than Sabrina ever is. It's always the ants you want to see. Like in Sabrina, the, yeah. the original TV show, it was the ants that you liked. Right. And, and then, you know, when you get upstage by a talking cat, you know that there's something a bit. <laughs> but, and then, and then the cartoon <laughs> characters, like, I love the ants. It's like when Sabrina's walking around with Archie and Jughead and all those, it's like, okay. But when, he, when, she start, when, she, when she went home with the ants, that's when like the whole cartoon, like, turned into something quite worth watching. Yeah, there's not enough intrigue with Sabrina herself. The intrigue lies with all the other characters, especially the yeah. aunties. And then um, I, I like the the weird sisters sometimes. Um, and then her cousin. The like, there's all the other characters. Oh, and um, Madam, Madam Satan or whatever. What's her Madam other name? The teacher. Uh, Lilith. Lilith, L- yeah. Lilith, yeah. She's an interesting character, too. I like the actress that plays her. She does a phenomenal I think they, job. I think they've got them really all pretty much pegged. But, you know, they could have probably... I can't imagine another... Well, who could have been Sabrina? Yeah, but you know what I think? You know, I also think it might have to be with the title being Sabrina about her show. Because look at Buffy. I love Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer. But Buffy was the most annoying character in that show. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's like you're watching it, and you're and you get so annoyed with her every time you watch it because she's the one. She's the character that has to grow. She's the character that has to make these stupid decisions. She's the character that has to be she's like, the one oh, I like you guys. I hate you guys. Bus. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but but it's always that one. You know, the main character of these shows is kind of like has to you know keep the storylines going. Has to piss everyone off and do stupid things. And and so I think Sabrina's a bit like that as well. It's a bit like Archie and um in Riverdale like he's the lead character so he makes so there's so many times you just you get so annoying to get to the point there's like do I continue watching him because he's bloody annoying me now or you know what I mean it's, it's like they always do that in every show it seems like that show is annoying me right now I just can't send Riverdale I don't think the cast likes it either yeah. I've heard um interviews with the cast where they just kind of like poke fun at some of the and some of them look really annoyed just being there and being asked stupid questions of the show and you can tell that they don't want to do it anymore. I don't know why it's still going because the show is so bad. It's, it has nothing to do with, you know, the Archie comics that I grew up with. And it's turned into like this weird kind of glee thing. It's turned into some weird um, like musical horror stuff. Like, I don't know. I know they're trying to be experimental, but Archie's not the, not, not the place for that. It's just supposed to be like, like the whole Dobie Gillis thing with like teen romance and teen drama and stuff like that. Not on the level that it's at right now. Boy, yeah. did we get off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest though, if it, Bobby wasn't for COVID, it probably would have been canceled by now as well. So. Yeah. I wish it would. I wish it would be because I feel bad for all the actors involved. They should be moving on to better, better stuff. Mm. They probably are. Yeah, I, I hope so. Because yeah, <laughs> they're good actors. They are good actors, but you wouldn't know that watching this show. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Jay Shear, co-writer of the supernatural steampunk western Death of a Bounty Hunter. You've heard me talk about it before. It just became a quarterfinalist in the Screencraft Cinematic Book Competition. So how about that? Uh, so if you haven't read it yet, definitely pick yourself up a copy. Check it out at deathofabountyhunter.com.
On this week's segment, I'm reviewing two movies that came out on Christmas Day that you haven't heard my opinion about yet. Pixar's latest film, Soul, came out on Christmas Day. That is available on Disney+. And then, of course, on HBO Max, we also got Wonder Woman 1984. So which movie is actually better, and which one should you go see? If you listen to my top ten list, I mentioned... That 2020 wouldn't be complete without me seeing these films and to see whether or not they would make that top 10 list. Well, turns out neither of them would actually make that top 10 list. And here are some reasons why. As for Soul, it is a very good movie. It's about an amateur jazz musician who's about to become a professional when he dies. And then he begins his journey into understanding what life is really all about and what makes life worth while soul really has a fantastic message and the animation is amazing but i think the story is trying to do a little bit too much especially with its secondary character 22 and because of that it doesn't capitalize on the rich history of jazz the black community or even some of the meaningful metaphors that the film is sort of playing with you should go watch soul it is a very good movie i do think you will really enjoy it but It is not one of Pixar's best, and it certainly doesn't add up to some of the other films that Pixar has done in the past that we've all really loved. Ultimately, I would give Soul a 7 out of 10. As for Wonder Woman 1984, I was really looking forward to this film. The first Wonder Woman was outstanding, but with 1984, it feels like this film is just trying to do too much. And as it tries to throw a bunch of stuff at us, the audience... It gets a bit chaotic. Gal Gadot is the perfect Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins is an amazing director. And Pedro Pascal gives a compelling performance. I really do appreciate how everyone involved really believes in the story that they're telling, which is really cool to see. But ultimately, it's a film that you don't need to watch. The motivations of the villain aren't totally understandable. The inclusion of Kristen Wiig's Cheetah feels unnecessary and there are really no transcendent moments in this film not like there were in the first film which had a lot of fantastic moments in it i would give wonder woman 1984 a 5 out of 10 everyone should watch soul but don't expect to be as blown away as you might have been with a movie like inside out another pete doctor film and really only die hard comic book fans or wonder woman fans need to purchase hbo max Also, don't forget, you can check out our novel and full cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, which is out now. And like I mentioned, um, it is now a quarter finalist in the ScreenCraft Cinematic Book Competition, which is awesome. I just got news of that this week, and I've been really excited about it. If you think that you would like a supernatural steampunk western, at least the ScreenCraft people did, then check out deathofabountyhunter.com. This has been Jay Shear, and I hope you have fun watching movies and TV shows wherever you can find them. So this brings us to Bewitch, season one, <laughs> episode 17. Like, I swear to God, we will not get off target again. Season one, episode 17, the first episode is called A's for aardvark is when an ankle injury confines darren to bed samantha enchants the house so it can fulfill darren's need darren becomes intoxicated with the idea of magic and starts encouraging samantha to use powers but the change is not all for the better darren quits his job and wants to travel the world but soon he comes to realize he likes his old life better 
This was filmed in November 18, 1964. Andorra addresses her son-in-law as Darren for the first of only eight times in the series. And yeah. this was directed by Ida Lupino, who is an award-winning director. So, Vicky, what's your... Um, what do you think mm-hmm. of A is for Aardvark? A is for Aardvark. I just, I, every time I hear Aardvark, I always think of... I always think of the last drive-in because he's always talking about Aardvarking. Don't even know why I got off of that, but... Um, uh, well, Darren, I mean, I like Darren, but he annoys me sometimes. I don't know why. Well, yeah, it's obvious. I know why. Yeah. Because he's always trying <laughs> you to don't? Be, you know, do his, his, you know, husbandly prerogative or whatever you want to call it for back in 1964. And you know what? Who wouldn't want to be married to a witch? I totally get it. I mean, if I, if I was a witch, I would be orbing everywhere. I wouldn't, you know, I, I'd be like sitting next to you guys and we'd be all doing this like right there, you know, but. He, but he, would you though? Because so. But would you though? Because the thing is, Samantha makes something very, very clear in this episode. And we, you know, we, we all look at Samantha and we're all like, God, we would love to be like way. But she right. sits there, but she says to him at one point, she goes, I don't need anything. Cause she, cause abandoned. It's like it's probably great fun when you, for the first hundred years, but when you're over three hundred years and you can do this any time, it's like right. it's almost like that. For I've noticed. Well, that's true, but I mean, mm-hmm. we're not going to live forever, so I'm thinking of it as a mere mortal here. And yeah. it, it, it just kind of, yeah. you know, kind of reminds me of. He, remember, you like how Major Healy was about Genie, as opposed mm-hmm. to you know Larry Hagman, and he always wanted to use. Genie to like yeah. make money, yeah. <laughs> but you know it kind of reminded he kind of reminded me of Major Healy after a while in this episode because mm. you know he's laying there in bed and, and she puts that little whammy on him so you know he can you know pretty much not have to worry about she's trying to do the housework and do her chores and all this other stuff and he's running her ragged and so mm. you know he gets a little taste of it. You know, and so he, he does kind of get a little, you know, he's kind of letting what's important get out of his eyesight, I guess, is what, mm-hmm. what she was trying to get across to him. But I mean, it was it was a cute little episode. I mean, it did show, you know, how you can get taught a lesson and what accept what's more important in life. But even though, you know, but but, it's, but that's coming from somebody who has it all or who has had it all. Some of us would like to experience that for maybe a week. Yeah, you know, beam me up, Scotty, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what comes with power comes great responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> no Spider Man, but uh, yeah, I mean, I had there's I did like this art thingy, and I, I found it's funny, but I found Darren really annoying when he's like running her ragged. But then when he got his powers, it's kind of like I kind of softened him because I like. And as you were stating, I can imagine that if I was given those powers and that, and I say that this could be my normal life, that I probably would get high on those powers is what Darren did. Right. And I think that's, and, you know, but I quite like the message that the message basically is like, yeah, you can have the world, you can have for a coach, you can have whatever you want in the world. But basically the only thing that's going to make you happy are the simple things. And that's what I quite like about the message in this. And that's what, you know, and, you know, and we did get Andorra. I mean, Andorra. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the best. She's always the best. And the way that she stirs a pot, she can stir a pot like no one, no one no, can. No, right? no. And she does it so subtly. But and she does it in the best way. Yeah, I yeah. know. You, she's doing it sarcastically, yet with class. Does that make sense? 
She just mm-hmm. the way she words everything, mm-hmm. the way she, her script is written, you know, is brilliant. Whoever's doing it, though. I mean, one of my favorite scenes is like, you know, oh, Samantha, you should have a fur coat. Like Louise Tate's got a fur coat, but Louise Tate can afford it. And then, yeah. and then she goes, well, and then he gets, so he gives herself a fur coat and she's still in her own um, cleaning clothes. And she's like, yeah. That's the one look on her face. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, you look beautiful, Samantha. <laughs> 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 and then Dora's kind of looking at him like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Honestly, this must have been really before PETA started because fur coats, I mean, I think I owned one for a rabbit, rabbit fox fur that a boyfriend, his mother bought it for me back in 86. And it was a beautiful coat. And I mean, it was, but you know, after, I mean, I don't know, I guess, I guess, you know, faux fur is just as nice, but I guess back then they weren't against fur. You know, now you get paint dumped on you if you wear a fur anywhere. So I think what's I think what's quite interesting about Bewitched in season one. Did you know that they filmed this whole all 35 episodes in two months? Did not know that. I didn't see that anywhere. I read anything. Yeah, I I was watching this documentary on one of the discs for Bewitched and they're sitting there saying that they were all done in two two to three months. So that's the reason why you always had blocks of Endora. It's like there'll be like oh, that four or five episodes. sense. Oh, they would do, they were like five or six episodes a week. Yeah, that's that why makes you would have perfect the, sense. That's why you have the blocks the way they are. Sort that of thing. makes perfect sense. I mean, God, they wouldn't even do that today. Now they can't They can't do a comedy show unless it's like one. They do like a comedy, a 30-minute comedy, which is like 20 minutes now. Because last time, because of commercial, commercialization. Like Friends takes a week to do each episode. Can you imagine working at this pace? But, um, so what are your thoughts of this episode, Jesse? I really do like this episode. It's probably one of my favorites um, in this section. Um, I don't know. My favorite scene in the whole thing was when um, he gives her the watch and then the flowers. And then she just like bursts into tears and says that she has everything that she wants. And, you know, I, I was hoping that Darren would learn something from this and be more softened. You know, if this was you know, any other show and not like a sitcom. It is I definitely the 60s. Would, you know, for it character def- progression's sake. It's mm. definitely the 60s. Yeah, you? definitely. Because they go <laughs> right back. Yep. Yeah. They go right back to square one in the next episode and it's a whole new plot, whole new thing. Still getting in her case about using your magic Central. and all that stuff. <laughs> I always I yeah, text it's Keith. either Darren has one extreme Keith. or he has the other. Yeah, I text Keith and I go, oh, my God, misogyny central. He goes, yes, but Samantha <laughs> always handles it. That's what he always tells me. Samantha handles it. No, she does. Yeah. She but, you does. know, I, Elizabeth that's, the, that's the problem with so good. That's the problem with sitcoms of up until like the, the 90s is that they were, you know, whether you watch the Brady Bunch or the Partridge Family or Bewitched or I Dream of Jeannie or Gomer's Pile or Andy Griffith. <laughs> but, but, what I'm sitting there saying is that anything that anything that was should have been personality change to any yeah. character. The next episode, everything. I mean, even yeah. even crime shows. Whether you watch whether you watch Kojak or Millen and Wife or Heart to Heart or anything, it's like the character. Something would happen in those characters' lives, and then or Charlie's Angels, yeah. and something would happen like dramatically in an episode. Next episode, like it never happened, and that's right. Why, exactly. And, it, exactly. and it's kind of I guess it's kind of weird when you watch Bewitched today because. You know, you kind of take this for granted, but now all our TV shows are like one great big soap opera. Everything exactly. continues. Like, you know, whether exactly. you watch 
whether you watch Friends, yeah, whether you everything watch is. Uh, you know, Sabrina or whether you watch um any TV show that you're watching at the moment, it doesn't matter what it is. It has an arch to it. And if the, something happens to a character, that character, that arch carries over until the end of the series. So the series should end. And I, mm-hmm. I guess this, but back then it's like, everything was just episodic. Basically just an episode. You can miss an episode yeah. and not miss any character building whatsoever. Cause the characters are always the same where they started. No, it's exactly <laughs> true. That That's exactly true. And I think that's why some of these shows get stale after a while, because you're trying to work with a very repetitive, um, brief um, structure. And I think when you try to do that and try to have, you only have so many stories and combinations of stories that you can do before you just have nothing left. Whereas like, if you did, you know, have character building, you could always have a character continue to build from, you know, season one, season two, season three, from where, wherever you left them in the last previous season, whatever, or the last episode. Um, but when you don't have that option, it does really limit you. And I think that's why, you know, I, aside from the fact that everyone was getting tired of Bewitched by the end of the series, you do see a drastic change from season one to the very last few seasons. Um, even in the way that, um, especially with Elizabeth Montgomery's character, she seems less compassionate and more annoyed most of the time <laughs> than anything else when you watch the earlier seasons versus the later ones. But she is easily one of the strongest act i mean they're all really strong actors they're so good but i don't know there's some there's just something really special about the way that she plays samantha that you really feel like she's she's just so genuine about the way that she portrays her and you really feel like she's feeling those things when you watch her so i don't know she's easily one of my favorite characters i I mean of course she's the basically the title character so yeah, but at the same no, time, as we were talking about Sabrina you know I mean? and about Riverdale and other sh- or Buffy, for instance, I guess the good thing about Sabrina, I mean, about Samantha is, is that she is so likable. And the thing yeah. is, she is, she is, she mm-hmm. is the moral compass of the show. And even, even when she does mess up, she takes responsibility for herself. And at the same time, she's always one step ahead of everyone you know, sort of thing. And, you know, yeah, because she knows she's a. She's you a know, and and I and I thought that's also as, but I don't. I you know what I think it is is also is that she. You know, you got. I guess you need to remember how old she is as well. I mean, she's seen it all and everything like that as well. They never and really so, go into how old she is, though. We know she's a couple centuries old. At least, at least, at least. They, uh, they so brought. They bring it up at least once. I think is the thing, and then after that, I don't really think it's talked about. They talk about it, but they don't go into the age. You see a picture. That's all it was. But yeah, but I mean, but the oh, thing is, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But Andorra, but by just by what Andorra, it's, there are comments that they're they're made when the witches are together. Whether it's Andorra or Uncle Arthur, when he comes right. in later, Clara, how old she may be, um, or Aunt Clara. Uh, and so on and so forth. But when the witches get together and they talk about, oh, you know, we, you know, remember when we, you know, Samantha says at one point, I remember somewhere, somewhere in one of these episodes about, you know, meeting Henry VIII. Yeah, true, true. I, that's yeah. right. So, you know, and so on and so forth. And, I mean, you know, we're going to get into a lot more when, you know, when, when we get to the famous Salem episode. That's right. That's later right. on in the seasons about, but yeah, so... You know, I guess that's probably another reason that with age, and imagine if you if you have lived that long, you've probably seen it and bought the T-shirt thousands of times sort of thing. 
Yeah. But I but I always I also found so far in these episodes, so far up until this point, is is that if Samantha ever makes a mistake, it's always because her mom told told her so she wants to prove her mother wrong. And yeah. even though her mother ends up being right. So well, her mother kind of intervenes, you know, and stirs the pot a little bit too. You know, she she's kind of a catalyst for, you know, the the whatever mm-hmm. ca- catastrophe is going to ensue. So you know. but, that's what, but that's what I love about the, the the Samantha and Dora relationship, though, because isn't isn't all of us the same way? If our mother tells us not to do something, exactly. we'll do it anyway. And then so that way, the mother was at the end goes, "Kind of, I told you so," uh-huh. and you're like, "Now you have to get yourself out of it because she told you so, and she's not going to help you." Right, so, right, right. But um, yeah, I have to say that I I, I, I like this episode. I re- it's it put us it made me smile, but it, it did there's. They did have that really warm sequence in it as well. I love it when there's that warm little message that shows up and, you know, and they, you know, you know, they're going to pull together. I mean, you know, sort of thing. Right. And, you know, you know, and I guess another thing is we have to sit there and look at Bewitch is for setting boundaries. No show has ever broken before. First, right. first couple to have a, um, to share a bed. And yeah, that's true. The first, the first TV show, oh, yeah, ever, yeah. first TV show to ever show a divorced couple true and dora and her husband or samantha's parents are divorced well they were separated i thought technically separated or divorced first time ever on american television the show is the first ever show to actually show that maurice i love maurice i love it when they i don't know they got those two got some kind of weird chemistry going on too i'm really well especially when she sits there and goes you do what i say maurice or i'm gonna move back in with you Right. This brings us to episode 18, The Cat's Meow. Accompanying a beautiful, sexy client, played by Martha Heyer, to Chicago, Darren begins to act strangely when he suspects (laughs) that her cat is actually Samantha in disguise. And this was filmed on December 3rd, 1964. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts of The Cat's Meow? I thought it was a riot myself. I thought it was funny, but it's definitely not my favorite. I thought it focused a little too much on Darren. Um, I wanted to see more Andorra and more Samantha. Definitely more Andorra in this episode. I was hoping she'd turn into more than just a stork on the boat. Um, but she just, you see her for like a brief second challenging Samantha or, you know, whatever. And so Samantha's house cleaning. In the, <laughs> yeah. Anniversary. She got her hair and yeah, curlers. Yeah, it was her it anniversary. Was, well, six month yeah, anniversary. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people yeah. are weird like that, though. I mean, they are. Well, when, I was actually early on. You have to find Isaac, Isaac was watching in the background, and Isaac's like, six years. I go, no, six months. He goes, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, and Dora and Dora made that joke too in the prior episode, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe it was early on in the episode. I don't remember. It was one of the two. No, it was the episode prior. Not you. But to be in love the first time or whatever, it's all new and everything's all right. And then reality sets in eventually. But, you know, six months, you know, you're still in love, kind of, you know, you, you want to celebrate things. Yeah. So, the, the, yeah, they were the hormones. Which, you know, because I've seen these. Which because I've seen these so many times, I forgot it was still like in the first season. Um, yeah. I keep thinking. But that, like, I didn't really like it. Just because... You know, like a year or two. Oh, ago. Yeah. But then you know, he says six months because you think it's at least a year, you know, and like, no, oh, six months. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I, I think the reason why I don't, it's not my favorite episode is just because it, it, it just displays Darren's like lack of faith in Samantha. And also Darren acts like he has a guilty conscience, even though he knows like he's not. Well, because he thinks he's being set up, in all fairness. He's really at the mercy of paranormal beings, okay? Supernatural (laughs) entities. This guy is... Still, though. (laughs) (laughs) Still, though, like, Samantha, of all people, at this point, I don't think Samantha has pulled anything like that. So, usually, you take people by their word unless they've proven to be dishonest in the past. And Samantha's never been dishonest to Darren. So it bugs me that he doesn't mm-hmm. trust her more. Well, um, if, it was, if he was have, just thinking it was Endora, that sure, that would make bit. sense. You have to take that back a little because what about the time that um, Darren and the sexy model and uh-huh. she, had, she ended up being a witch and she actually had to intervene. She had to make sure that he was frozen so, she didn't, so he didn't know that she was there you know, to talk to her. No, well, he was bewitched uh, at that did point. Did this happen? Though. Yeah, this happened in a previ- one of our previous episodes. Yeah, but Larry, which episode, Larry's like going to hell with my wife. I'm going to stay here. Why do I want to go home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was this the Paris episode? No, this is the one where um, basically they hire someone for a perfume ad, and yeah. she's really rambunctious, and she's trying to make the moves on Darren. And, she's rambunctious, and she's a witch, and and Dora and, 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 and yeah, then yeah, and then yeah, Samantha yeah. goes, "Oh, let me yeah. um, let me see who this person is." Kind of find out it's an old friend, you know, adversary of um, yeah, Samantha, whatever. And she's a so, brunette bombshell. Yeah, and you know she never. I don't think she ever told Darren about that. So. Kind of reminded me of like one of those genie characters. I mean, this this episode, and the si- I, I've noticed that the Siamese it's, cat. What about yeah, Siamese well, cat? Siamese yeah, cat, so. they're beautiful. Yeah, they're sleek. yeah, the Siamese cat. The Siamese cat makes a few um, appearances in this season. I've noticed. Yeah, well, they probably like the ha- the the cat ha- handler at that moment. It's like he's probably on contract. <laughs> it is a nice cat, though. It's also nice that they don't use the stereotypical black cat. That they actually use something kind of different. I, 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 I love Siamese, Siamese cats, cats too, with the blue they eyes and the the creamy. I know they are ornery. <laughs> they are ornery. I heard that. Beautiful. Really, just just as a they're breed, that's really sad though. because I they are them. well. They're yeah, very um, Siamese cats. From my understanding, is that they're very loyal to one person. They are. They are. They're very aggressive. Oh, okay. So, they're like so, chihuahuas. <laughs> they're like yeah. the cat Perfect familiar. <laughs> but they're very vocal as well. They meow a lot. Siamese they make a lot. No, you know what makes a lot of noise is that those, one was pretty quiet though. Naked cats, no, hairless cats, are probably the meanest. <laughs> The most vocal animals you will ever see, and they look yeah, like but if you look, and the creepiest. Like this. They do. They look like gremlins yeah. or something when they're mad. Oh my god! It's just like yeah. Like, but if, if, oh if you were, if you were born looking that way, you probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. Yeah, you're just you're. Just, I mean, if you're born looking like that, you're just angry at God in the world for the rest of your life, aren't you? Oh my god, Mike! One of my friends had a hairless cat. I've had two friends that have had hairless cats. And I don't know what God has done to them or what's in their food, but they have some of the most shag nasty smelling shit you ever want. You, I mean, they've got to be trained. <laughs> and, and and they are, they are, they will go crap on your clothes. If you make them mad, they, they've got a totally different mentality. <laughs> There's something wrong with them. I don't know what it is. Aren't they like Egyptian or something? I don't know. Tell you the truth. I have to look that up, sure. but I just know that they're, they're kind of fascinating to watch though. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, you know, especially when they get porky with their roles, you know, I just think they're, they're so ugly. They're cute kind of 
cat, you know? Now you I'm know, not- as creepy as those cats are, as creepy as those cats are, I'm surprised they've never been used in, like, uh, a movie, at least as far as my, um, as far as I'm able to recall. They've never used them as, like, oh, which is familiar. Is it's always the, the typical black cat. It's a sphinx cat. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew they were sphinx cats sort of thing. Well, because it, they, yeah, because well, they, it was, um, they're, it, it's kind of, they're similar to the Egyptian sphinx. A friend of mine has one. Um, I didn't bond. I didn't bond with it, but I know that whenever it like sits in a window, they got to make sure it's um, sunscreened and stuff. Oh, I bet. I bet. Because they burn. I mean, I think you know. I think what's quite interesting about the cat's meow, though, that this was actually written by a husband and wife writing team called Richard and Mary Sales. So I guess we, you know, thinking about this episode and thinking it was married, written by a married couple. I guess it's quite interesting about, I wonder who wrote what in this. Was it the wife writing about the, the philandering husband or was it the husband writing about the philandering husband? The philandering or, husband? What yeah. is the philandering, because, really? Because the thing is, is like, is it, is it the, so did, did the, the male, the, the husband, did he write about the paranoia of Darren or was that written by the wife? Because if it was written by the husband, it tells a lot more than if that was written from the wife's point of view. If you don't understand, sort of thing, right? You know, like does because oh, uh, you know does it just the way he feels when he's the guy who wrote it is just the way he feels when you're on the sexy woman all feeling guilty. Well, but, she's very mm-hmm. aggressive, though. I mean, she's like hyper aggressive. And it's it's sort of like almost sexual harassment at this point. He doesn't. He loves his wife. He's mm. nervous as I'll get out, and she's just all over him like white on rice. And you know he's trying to get away from her. He thinks his wife has turned himself herself into a cat. And then he's talking to the pelican, and he, you know everybody thinks he's batshit at this point. It's. I thought it was really. Com- I thought it was really pretty funny myself. Another thing, though, think about that. I, mean, I think about it was hilarious too. Think about the strong woman type in here, who's like pretty much confident in her sexuality, and absolutely. But she's, a, but she's a business owner and a big business person. I wonder if the husband wrote that. Like, this is how he expects women to be like the man in, the, in that kind of scenario. Like, the businessman's like that all the time, and now you get this female acting that way. It's kind of a kind of a strange thing when he realizes it by a husband and wife team isn't it when you think about like because the thing is like because because the woman even though she's you know strong and she's very she's very sexual and stuff like this but but it's also because she owns a company so it's like she's the business so she's like she's like the man of the company even in a woman's skin isn't she yeah and that music thing that seductive funny it's interesting for the 1960s up that music it just, it just can't. When a beautiful woman walks in, they always use that one tune. You know what like I mean? A, like that saxophone playing, sexy. Yeah. Saxophone. Every time a beautiful woman walks in, and you know he's going to encounter this because you know he's in advertising. You know, so if you're in advertising, you're going to deal with a lot of people, models and whatnot. So he's going to be put in all these precarious positions. You know. I did like the way that when he started, I did like when he got really paranoid. And he's acting, and he's talking to the cat, and he's talking to the stork, and stuff like this. And she's like, <laughs> "He's over. Gonna, I, he's it's over like you're married. Seat. I'm going to take you home. <laughs> it's like you're just too much. Uh, like, I'm going to leave you two alone." <laughs> yeah. <the> cat. <laughs> but I also like how she respects the fact when she realizes that he's married, doesn't force herself on him. She's not like a. She's not deliberately being nasty 
or really sexually harassing him despite knowing that he's married but she actually once she realizes that he is married kind of is and she doesn't oh, you know she's sexually harassing say, him well you know what i mean she's though. sexually she's harassed like, him. i not, mean she did everything but tell him to turn around and slap him on the ass i mean she was all she was all <laughs> over the poor guy i thought it was funny it's always funnier to see men in that position and i think that's what the point the writers were trying to get across actually True. because women at yeah. that time didn't have a voice yeah no, women were being sexually harassed left right and center yeah, you I mean, know. how many, how many, how many innuendo sexual harassment um, comments does Larry Tate say? In a- oh my God, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Larry Larry Tate is an animal. You, he's a total animal. <laughs> he's savage, <as> fuck. <laughs> and he's married, and he's got a child on the way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think yeah. he's a lot of talk, though. Don't you think he's one of those talkers? Because obviously he loves his wife. So. I think he's one of these people yeah, that basically definitely. likes to think he was a ladies' man, but in all in actuality, he never was a ladies' man. Right. You, know, he's, you, know, you know those people who talk around about... They he talk doesn't about, have the confidence. Well, I think he's... You know, like, you get these men who go, go talk, talk about, like, the sign of their penis and how many conquests they have, and then you find out, like... You know, they're in their 40s and they're still virgin. I think he's one of them kind of people. He's just like, yeah, they all talk, but no action. Right. That's Larry and you know but i mean it, yeah he, he doesn't thing, have the confidence so i mean <laughs> i mean to be honest on the woman's side you know from the woman's angle here you know she's lucky that they got that because she was being lied to about whether he was married or not because they wanted larry wanted the larry was so badly that he basically lied to his client and sat there and said that darren was single well he's I mean, pimping them off i mean precisely. larry just doesn't have a conscience his poor friend slash worker you know yeah but can you imagine i mean if, if i was if i was in that position and basically it's like you know this is going on and then i find out that i was lied to it's like uh, they're lucky they got the account really think about it yeah, well so, she, i know she handled she handled it well deal and that so she at least separated that yeah but, uh, and she's which prof- typically she's when darren is in a position like that when when Darren's in a position like that with a, a woman, usually the woman becomes vindictive if she doesn't succeed in getting Darren in the end. Which honestly, like when they were describing Darren as sexy and you know attractive, like I don't understand. Like he's he's not someone that people would just like bow down and like fall all over. It just doesn't make sense to me. And how he's how um the guy uh, her butler or whatever came over and is like, oh, she described you very well, man with sexy eyes very handsome I'm like what no <laughs> neither of those descriptions yeah. make any sense for darren i mean <laughs> no darren, offense, yeah but, but i mean i guess it's a bit like you know barnabas being sexy or someone like or any or anyone that, that they makes tell a us little like, bit more like, sense kind not of, really but... i mean barnabas is a 40 year old <laughs> man child but um but i don't know i mean darren is also a vampire i mean darren's cute but the thing is is um what makes darren a attractive is not because he's you know good looking physically. it's not because he's good looking it's because you got to know him and there's something attractive after you watch the series for a while it's like oh he's you know especially when you start comparing him to the new darren right that comes across i mean though he's cute I'm, i don't sit there and say that i would have sexual masturbatory material <laughs> darren no <laughs> sort of thing but you know but you know what i mean but darren but there's something nice about darren but he's not the kind of person that you would think of as sexy Darren, is he ever? 
You know, he's not the kind of person that you go, oh, it's not the kind of person that you would see on the train. Go, you go, oh, they're attractive, but you wouldn't go home later and toss one off on them, sort of thing. Right, right. With that image in your head, sort of thing. I kind of, you know, sorry, folks. Well, you know what? He kind of grows <laughs> on you as a character. Nightmare. I'm not. Yeah, you know. yeah, that's what I mean. There's something, there's something attractive about him, but he's not, but he's not drop dead gorgeous. He's not like Adam West when Adam West appeared on the show. Right, right. Or, or you know, or some of the other, or, or some of the other sex symbols at this time, like Troy Donahue. Or, right. Oh yeah, that's right. Right. You know, and those kind of things are sort of things. So yeah, most of them and, were gay anyway, weren't they? Yeah, but yeah, true. But if we do, but it does, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird that they keep trying to tell us how, how gorgeous Darren is. Cause we, this is quite a few. I mean, how many episodes have we got that basically, Oh, Darren is so sexy and so good looking. Almost about three by now, especially with the young girl that pursued him and in in advertising. She was the college kid with the big hunky boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. The, pi- the pilot episode with, yeah. um, it, that I mean, we got him in, um, the, the sexy model that we just talked about that was who was end up being a witch in and the end. the witch the other witch that was that the sexy model you were talking about yeah yeah sexy model i think we're gonna get a next door neighbor Which in that, that case and with the sexy model with the sexy model it might make sense because she would probably be doing that just to get on samantha's nerves but i don't think that was the setup of the episode um, but I think that would have been an interesting take on it because Darren just, I don't know. I don't think those situations would happen often enough. If someone were attracted to him, I wish they would have had like a more honest approach to it. Like, I don't know what it is about you, but there's, you're, you're very attractive, even though you're not a very traditionally attractive man or something like that. But they never go in that direction. It's always like, oh no, he's super attractive. Like as if he's some kind of Superman macho man or something. So it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And it's not believable. <laughs> Because the visuals are all there, and I don't think most people would necessarily find her attractive. So I don't know. That's just my well. Maybe for the time. I mean, we grew up, especially being Keith, where what we think is attractive, maybe, but does kind of coincide with the the cultural time we grew up, or when we're more in what's the word impressionable? I don't know. I mean, but sometimes they throw people at us, tell us that are attractive. Like in our time with Leif Garrett, did anyone ever find Leif Garrett sexy? No, I didn't. Sean Cass or Sean Cassidy. I didn't or Parker Stevenson or Parker Stevenson. You know, they can't, it's one of these things that, you know, it's a bit like today, Kira Knightley being a great actress, you know, it's kind of these things get kind of thrown at you without thrown at you. And you're supposed to like trying to, She's okay. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really? <laughs> right. You know, um, I have to there say that I do like the little, the switch in this as well, that I like the idea that basically you think, you know, I'm not sure if you're supposed to believe that the cat is Samantha, but you do kind of think it might be Andorra. And then when the stork shows up, and then when the stork shows up, you find out the stork being Andorra. And I thought that was quite cute and humorous, actually, especially when the stork comes in. Okay, mom, (laughs) the stork's coming in. Yeah, and then you finally realize that it is actually her. Uh, I I remember watching this for the first time. I remember yeah. watching this for the first time and realizing that it was actually her the whole time. Because you really don't know unless you've seen this already, um, like if it's actually Adora. But I never once did I remember. Do I remember thinking that it was um, Samantha? Because I don't know. I just she was yeah, home. I just didn't think it was her. But Adora definitely. Yeah. a person to do that, right? And it was their anniversary. I don't think Samantha would pull that. She didn't seem like she trusts her. There husband. was nothing. Trust him. Yeah, and there was nothing earlier in the episode 
where she was suspicious of him. She knew that it was a female client because he was refusing to um, give like the full name and gender. Yeah, and he kept saying they, as if Marshall. like that somehow discreet. Playing the game pronoun. Marshall. Well, he's also stammering around. He's not very good at covering his tracks. So, <laughs> no, he's really bad liar though. He's a he's nervous. Not stupid. Some people just don't know how to lie. They have no gift for it whatsoever. No. Yeah, but, that, but that's, that's maybe fair, a good thing. Though. That's maybe I mean, a good thing. If, 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 you're, if you're married to... If, but the thing is, if you're married to Samantha, would you really want to cross her? No. Ever? Hell no. Would you... I mean, yeah, you're married to Samantha. Not. Would you I ever want, want to? I, I would, 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 you, would you yeah, want to no. be caught being unfaithful to Samantha? Uh-huh. <laughs> or her mother. You'd face the wrath would of you Nora probably as well. Like, honestly... No, but I'm sitting there but saying. Why that, would let's you sit there want say, to more? <laughs> well, but let's sit there and say that Samantha comes into the middle of Darren's, you know, you know, um, walks into the. Let's say that Samantha decides to walk into the middle of the situation, decides she's going to view this, and basically this woman's making the moves on Darren out in the middle of a boat, out of the middle of somewhere. You know, Samantha is any kind of a person and took this differently. Darren's life had been over in a snap, literally. <laughs> if you think about it, because he's like. You know, like Maurice sends him into oblivion that one time and his shoe comes back. <laughs> can you imagine, can you imagine though, was, Samantha was, was like good. a jealous wife? Can you imagine yeah. if she was a jealous wife? What kind of show you would have? Yeah. You know, a totally different show. It'd be like saving Darren from hell. Yeah. <laughs> be bitched. That's what it would be called. It would be bitched instead of being saving Derwood. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> That brings us to episode 19, A Nice Little Dinner Party. Promising to behave when she meets Darren's parents, Dora turns on the charm and is promptly accused by Darren's mother, Phyllis, of trying to steal her husband's Frank's affections. Frank takes Adora to a play when Phyllis refuses to go. Phyllis wants a divorce and Frank doesn't come home that night, but he actually locked himself out and stayed at the club. And Dora and Samantha use a little witchcraft to get them together. See Lindsay Workman appear as the train conductor. And this was filmed on December 10th, 1964. So what's your thoughts on this, Vicky? I like this one. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I thought it was kind of sweet and kind of heartwarming and charming all at the same time. Because, well, you know, in, in all actuality, she she begged, you know, Samantha begged Endora to be charming. And she turned on the charm. I don't think she was hitting on, you know, Darren's father anyway. But no. his father was having a midlife no. crisis because he, he no was retiring. And, you know, people don't want to be, people get bored with retirement. They feel useless. A lot of people are workaholics. I know several of them. You know, I live with one. I don't know what I'm going to do when he retires. I'm probably going to do target practice on him. But um, I, I thought it was I'm serious. I have to have something to shoot at. But um, <laughs> but anyway, he. Uh, I just thought, well, at first I kind of thought it was kind of insensitive of Darren's father. Why is his name escaping me? What's Darren's father's name? I thought he was very insensitive to his wife, actually, yeah, because I would not be happy if somebody, if some, I mean, I wouldn't care so much, but Endora being Endora, that's kind of almost an insecurity complex waiting to happen when your husband goes out with somebody like that. Because let's face it, she's got all this class. She dresses nice. She's stylish. She's worldly, you know, whatever. And I mean, you'd probably be a little insecure into, you know, putting the coffee pot into the refrigerator and whatnot and, 
worried about being divorced, but would you like a nice cup of divorce? Yeah, would you like a nice (laughs) cup of divorce? I thought it was kind of charming though, how they try to (laughs) rectify the situation. You know, and Endora really does show a soft side. No, she doesn't like mortals for the most part. I think as a woman, she understands because she does come to, um, to, uh, was it Phyllis? And Mm -hmm. does try to explain to her she's not after her man, but she plays the wrong victimized woman, you know, and that Endora is the other woman. But they do get together and try to rectify the situation. And that's kind of sweet for Endora to do, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, what, honestly, Darren's. Yeah. What are you saying? The Darren's mother's been watching too many soap operas because she or she's something. wanting to play that role of the the wronged woman, you know, something like that. It reminds you know, me. it's probably like, oh, she kind of exciting for her and her bo- watch soap operas. Well, it's probably her life is kind of boring. Her husband's home when you get retired. Yeah. And I mean, things change. I mean, the guy's going through a midlife crisis, and he probably. Isn't I think she's going. I think she's going through one as well, though. Right. The, the right. Because they do start talking yeah. about the romantic way that when she was this young girl and they laughed with the rain, could, they could get the top down to the car and they were laughing in the rain. And, the you know, and they just had to remind themselves of what they once had because it's even relationships take a lot of work. I mean, they do get old and boring after a while. But, you I mean, you got to it's not so much a sex thing as it is, you know, trying to remember who each other is and that, you know, you're going to change and things are going to evolve. And but you just got to remember the fun things in life, too. And remember to be sensitive to that other human being. Well, I guess another thing is, is that you, you also have to remember that. And, and this is relevant in anyone's life at the moment that you're with someone for a long period of time. But the thing is, you don't spend that much time together because of between right. work commitments and stuff like this. And on the weekends, you're spending so much time chasing up what needs to be done, whether it's laundry, getting yeah. groceries, everything like this. Lawn mowing, and whatever. Yeah. Lawn mowing, or if you have kids and you got tons of stuff for them there. And then what happens is that all of a sudden their comes and now you're both living in each other's pocket 24-7. Exactly. And it takes a while for both both of you to sit there and figure out how do we live with this. And I thought that this episode was really, really good at showing that from both sides. I mean, it's kind of weird. But I, I remember like seeing this and like getting kind of annoyed with um, Darren's mom a little bit. A like, little oh. bit. But looking at it, now that I'm getting older and I'm looking at things like this, it's kind of like, Okay, I actually understand this a lot better than I did when I first saw these episodes. Oh, we were kids it makes we more sense it, now. You know? You know, and I guess I also probably because a lot more pertains to me now. It's like as I get closer to retirement age and stuff like this, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna have to figure out something to do with my time because I am not gonna be stuck in this house all the time. Otherwise I'll kill someone. Right. So and I, you know, so I do understand that. And another thing is, you know, you do find and it's quite weird because you do get hints of this when you go on holiday with the other person. Right. When you go away, go away for two or three weeks with someone and you've been together for a while and then you go and then the first day, the first time you're going on holiday, it's like you're trying to figure out what to say to each other. Then by the third or fourth day, you're getting irritated. And by normally by the second week, you finally learn to like. Yeah. exist together and it's kind of weird it's kind of this weird thing in the relationships kind of thing that i found you know that i find my you know find myself going through whenever and you know when you got no other thing and all the only thing that you have is each other you're kind of going Ooh, who is this person and but then i mean then after a while you settle down don't you it's, but it's but i thought that this episode actually was able to highlight that in a witty way 
but actually get its point across quite clearly. And, and I quite like really that. And it's something that a lot of people could, you know, re- resonate with, you know, it would resonate with people because that's like just human nature right there. You know, are you tired of me? Don't you love me anymore? And I guess you got to find new and exciting or whatever ways to evolve around each other, you know, and, and kid can stay, stay loving and, and sensitive, I guess. I'm well, not even like about even Darren's, great love. I'm just not sensitive. Well, even like Darren's um, dad, like washing that dog multiple times. So it's almost going old, you know, so <laughs> just trying to keep him so busy all the time around the house right. and getting, and, and the thing is, is like, you gotta remember, like she has a routine. This is a housewife who's had a routine for the last 40 some odd years. And all of a sudden, and I, you know, you get this with, you kind of get a little bit of this with Gladys, the Kravitzes next door. And you got Gladys da, 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 all around the house. And then you got like the husband who's at, retired at home and has to put up with the Gladys madness sort of thing. But now here you got like a different couple doing the same thing that the, this time the guy is newly retired. He hasn't been retired as long as the Kravitz guy has, but you know, getting under, and getting, you know, messing up her routine as well. She has, a, she probably has a routine. She probably gets up, cooks breakfast. And then when he goes off, does the dishes, maybe does the vacuuming at between 11 and 12, maybe does this between 12 to one. And either you work yourself and everyone has a routine. And also now you got this person that you're married to, who's actually like a relative stranger underneath your feet, kind of disrupting your day. It's like, I want to go do laundry. Well, why are you doing laundry? It's like, I do always do the laundry at Tuesday on five, right. you know, sort of thing. Exactly. But, I, but another thing that this episode has that Bewitch always has a habit of doing fantastically well is that great big heart sequences where it kind of tears at your heartstrings a little bit when samantha has that conversation with her with um, the father-in-law and about the green scarf and everything like that and he's and that's when he goes on this story and just tug at your heartstrings but then you also get something that you very rarely see samantha and dora double teaming it with their witchcraft together right (laughs) <laughs> oh, I forgot the thunderstorm. Yeah. It really Samantha was. does the best job at Samantha does the best job of bringing the best out in people and not being judgmental. Like the way that she handles um his father is or her father-in-law, I guess you could say, is so much different than probably how the average person would deal with a situation like that where they would just be fully, you know, ready to reprimand the person and be judgmental and stuff like that, but she does it in such a way that she kind of makes it his idea just by not being by not by being manipulative, but by being empathic and just, I don't know, somehow just bringing him out of his, I don't know, ridiculous stupor that he's in, I guess, of middle midlife crisis or retirement or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And you see that a lot with all the, with all of these episodes, well, you know, she's not vindictive. Do you, how old do you think Samantha and Darren are supposed to be? And how old do you think the parents are? Well, um, if he's retirement, if he's, if he's retirement age, he has to be in the sixties. 60 or seven. Uh, well, Darren does 70. not look 30 or 28. I can tell you that. No, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, is that back then, I think that men could, let's say 60. Cause they wouldn't be right. 70. You don't retire. At, back then you didn't retire at 70. I think you retired about 60. Wasn't right. It? It got moved up to 65 in about the 80s, and now it's 69, 70 nowadays. 72 in the state. 72. But back then, I think it was like the 60s. But um, and let's sit there and say that they got married when they were in college. So 
you know, let's say they had Darren at 25 after college. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that put that pushes Darren to say 25 minus 60 is what 25. I guess he's about 30. He doesn't look 30. He's a little older than that. I'd say pushing 40, probably. Well, see, that this is a problem that I have. Darren? Yes. He doesn't well, look no 30 years old. Yeah, but I, I, this is a problem I have with um, things of this age, this era, though, from the 50s and 60s and 70s. Is even, even like when you're looking at Sandra D and Sa- Sandra D films in the 60s, she looks about 28, 29, even right. though she's like 16 to 18. Or whether you saw like Sally Fabre, you know, or Annette Funicello, or I mean, Annette Funicello, when she did those beach movies, she's only, she's only 18. Well, she but is she look, young in those. She but she looks twenty eight, thirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, sort of like Gidget. She was young too. I mean, well, Gidget Sally Fields is different because Sally Fields had a very young face and she was small. Yeah, that's true. I thought she, that Funicello looked young, though. I didn't think she looked that old. Well, she looked she older than when she was. Part of it is because of that's all. She had I think food. part of it is because of the way that they do hair and makeup and the clothes. Because, I mean, if you're wearing grandma, like frumpy grandma clothes all the time and you, you do your makeup like, you know, your third grade teacher. <laughs> meanwhile, you're like, I don't know, still 18. You're going to look like a more mature, developed woman to make up people, make I guess, older. if you're wearing those kinds of things. Less is more. especially if you hit puberty, you know, sooner than most other girls in this case. I mean, well, I mean, let's let's compare let's compare their ages to what we're seeing in, let's say, Dark Shadows, the the characters in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Victoria Winters doesn't look eighteen; she looks about twenty five, twenty six. She's only supposed, she's only supposed to be eighteen, nineteen. Right. Joe looks about twenty eight, thirty. Right, and he's only supposed to be twenty, twenty one. Nancy Barrett could be like twenty five. Yeah. So could um, uh, Nancy uh, Barrett. Nancy Barrett, for the most part, comes off as seeming younger. I think she's the only one that really feels like she's she so could tiny. be she's younger so than deep. most of the. Well, Kathleen Scott comes across like, not that too, younger, quite younger, like as well. But yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, Roger is supposed to be only what I don't know, 30, 40 years old. I don't know. It's kind of hard. He's supposed to. That's kind of hard to gauge how old Roger's supposed to be, and then you—that's like, true, though. That's well, true. I mean, I mean, Jonathan Fred. I mean, he looks forty, but I, I don't think he—I think he's supposed to be like a thirty-year-old. I don't know. You know what ages him? If really? you look at other pictures of Jonathan Fred with all that crap on his face, he doesn't look that bad. That makeup they put on him—it's thick, and it, that makes his eyes yeah. dark, and it ages the well, Jesus on. I think him. I think he had an acne well, problem. It's also so like that cheap makeup that causes creases in the skin. He had bad yeah. skin. Yeah. But um, but I think that but when you look at a majority of people from this time period, no matter I mean, even even when you're watching like the Partridge Family, which is, is going to come out three years later, and you got Susan Day, who's supposed to be high school in high yeah. school, she looks. They all looked older. David Cassidy looked. They all look older. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like, and that's what's kind of weird. So I get. guess the the big. I guess the, what you can sit there and say is like. Remember when you're watching the Brady Bunch and they're quite young and yeah. then they go away from a season and they grow up as like Greg went from being like a teenager to like looking 30. So that's why I'm saying yeah. it's like, so when you're trying to gauge their ages, I guess you kind of have to take it from the situation that you're giving. I mean, Samantha, let's forget about Samantha anyway, because Samantha's centuries and centuries. So she can be any, I mean, you know, she's not, I mean, she's not a typical 400 year old looking woman. <laughs> 
that's right. not the sort of thing. But Darren, I guess the only way you can gauge how old he's supposed to be is if you do like simple arithmetic from what you know. And that's what they say. The father re, you know, retired at 60. They met at school and they went to college together. That's what the father said in this episode. So let's sit there and say they got married afterwards. Let's say they had Darren at 25. So I guess that would push Darren at slightly 30. Okay. Right? I guess. I, guess. I mean, I'm guessing here. You know, and but, but then the, I, and that would make a lot of sense if Darren's supposed to be um, early 30, 30s or early 30s because he's quite established in his career and he wouldn't be that established in his career in his 20s, yeah. would he? Exactly. He would have to, and he was working before he met Samantha. So. He'd have to be 30, 35 because he would, that, I mean, he's, he's a significant asset in this company right now. Precisely. Yeah, he, yeah. I think he's the only Which one implies that he's not new. Yeah, and I would say, you know, and, and he also, and we've also had a couple episodes here where people have come in and asked to work with Darren on their campaign as well. So it's not Darren trying to sell. We got Darren trying to sell his wares, but we've also had kept people that he must have a reputation for exactly. people who want to work uh-huh. with him as well. So I don't know how I don't know how many people are in this agency because I, you know, well, we'll get to that in the next episode, but. Yeah, it does. It does look like a two-man operation. Yeah, <laughs> Larry and Darren pimping out Darren to do the work. I don't really. He's always it. pimping out Darren. He doesn't have any respect for his buddy whatsoever, and he's he he always backpedals. He is the biggest backpedaler I've seen on any sitcom in my entire life. <laughs> well, there's no there's no one else working in this office. <laughs> is there? I mean, oh, I know. There's, there's no one else doing that. Do they ads. ever show McMahon of McMahon and Tate? Do we ever see him? No. No. I'm just I mean, wondering because I'm just trying to remember. Did he sh- pop up in maybe an episode that I just don't remember after all these years? I, I don't know. He hasn't popped up yet. Um, maybe something we missed eventually, and he'll show up. And you know, I guess Darren must have you know. Well, I guess we should talk about that in the next episode. But right. I think Darren must have you know some kind of a low self image, not to demand a partnership. Should be McMahon, McMahon, Tate, and Stevens. Yeah. Really. Well, he's doing all the work. Larry's just drinking all the time and looking at models. <laughs> what is Larry doing? <laughs> well, until and then giving Darren more work while he's while he goes off and I don't know probably Paris goes philandering or goes something. to Paris. What else does he do? He just dumps all that. Yeah, shit exactly. 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 He's a bad friend. He's a bad he's an friend. Awful friend. He's a terrible and friend. It, yeah, well, he's, and not, a bad he's not a friend though, is he? He's your yeah. boss. But he's they talk they always talk about being buddies, you know. No, but Yeah, but yeah. everyone tries to be buddies with the, you don't know if they met at work. work or before that. And they always throw Samantha's got an hour. She's doing housework all day. All of a sudden she's got a dinner party of twenty, you know. It's just like, yeah. yeah, throw this in there. Make sure you get all this food ready for all these people, you know. But, and she never gets annoyed about it. And she does it all by hand for the most part. Well, for the most Probably, part. She, I would cheat. I would cheat like a son of a gun yeah. if I was her. If that of came course. Out. Of course you would. I would. I would too. <laughs> <laughs> it pushed uh, shove. <laughs> which shoves us into the next one, basically. <laughs> Yes, episode yeah, 20, perfect. Your Witch perfect is Showing. Segue. Darren forbids Samantha to attend her cousin Mario's wedding in Egypt, and Dora, who is livid, states that Darren is in big Weird. trouble. Darren gets a new assistant named Gideon Witchset, played by Jonathan Daly. 
Darren has convinced Gideon as a warlock enlisted by Endora as a series of events make Darren look bumbling and stupid in front of a new client and in turn makes Gideon look fantastic. Samantha uses a little magic to find out that Gideon is actually a conniving young man. Peggy Lipton makes a brief appearance as the secretary. So Jess, what are your thoughts of your witch's showing? Uh, this one, I haven't seen this one in so long. So it was actually like watching it for the first time. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I remember when I seen this the first time, um, I, I did think that he was a warlock and I thought it was Mario who was getting back at Darren at first because he didn't let Samantha come to the wedding because there were so many things going on that were just like weirdly coincidental and seemed deliberate. And it's like, how could he have accomplished those if he wasn't a warlock, but which of course is later explained and you find out he's not a witch, which I kind of wish that he would have been, would have been a little bit more interesting. And I was hoping it was another witch character to add to the show. Um, but it wasn't, it was just, I don't know. He was just, I don't know, like a vindictive college student that was pretending to be this nice guy. And Samantha and it basically gave him truth serum using magic um, to get him to reveal himself. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but it was a little confusing at first. Um, but then I understood what was going on as it continued to play. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Cause she did like this weird, like gesture thing. And I, I'm like, she's pointing upstairs, Darren's reacting to something. And then she points at him and then I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. So he's, he's being his nasty self that he really is under that cheap skin. Okay. I understand. And then you see that she was trying to convince Darren to come downstairs. Um, so I was a little confused at first as to what was going on, but as it progressed, it did make sense. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting episode. Um, and I, I hadn't, I haven't seen this one in years, so I totally forgot about it. Um, so it was kind of nice to actually be watching these and seeing something I haven't seen for quite some time. Um, but yeah, I do kind of wish he would have been like a warlock character just because there's not a lot of warlocks. It's just a bunch of witches. You get like a couple here and there, but throughout the season, there's, it's mostly about witches, which I guess is, you know, for the 60s, I guess this is like the first form of subtle women's liberation no, and like not, feminism not really, stuff. So, you know, paganism was starting to come out a lot in the 60s and it was more women than mm. anything else because a lot of men, a lot of people think you're emasculated back in the day if you, you know, were say you were oh, I suppose so. male eclectic or a male I suppose chicken, so. you know. I mean, people still kind of look at I guy. suppose so. Yeah, that, I guess that makes coven, sense. You know, kind of thing. But the one thing I noticed about this whole episode, like Keith always says, she's got it under control, is Darren saying he's he's exercising his husbandly prerogative and won't let Samantha go without her husband to a wedding in Egypt, which is like, really, why should it be any sweat off his ass anyway? Because she's going to pop in and pop out. So, I mean, I understand I mean, that kind, that kind exactly. of peeved me. It peeved me just a little bit because I don't yeah. like anybody I, trying to be the Me too. It peeved me a lot. Yeah, I have to there say I I found that part of the episode I found that uh, I found that very annoying because that didn't make a lot of sense. Just like, just let her go. What's the big deal? Yeah, it's it's. She no. she be, well, she'd be, she'd be, she'd be, she be home making dinner before you even got home from work. So what's the problem? Yeah, well, she could snap, she be, snap dinner, get that done in time. And then and also Samantha's, go to the wedding. And then you got Endora going, time. <laughs> and Endora's going, Cairo's beautiful this time of year. And she just looks at Darren. She goes, and he's one of our own. 
He's one of us. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love I, that. I, another thing is, but is also it's if, like if it was like a friend of a friend or like someone who you know, let's say just a like a like a family friend that you don't really know, but this is like someone that Samantha significantly says that she's very close to. Exactly. And, that, and I think, and I, I think whatever the writers were doing there, I think that it played off wrong because uh-huh. listeners. Let's just say I was invited to a wedding and I kind of know the person. And then Darren acted that way. Fair enough. I mean, but because she said she's close to him, then when Darren says you can't go, you're thinking, yeah, God, you're a bit of an asshole now. Yeah, a little bit, you know, but then she doesn't end up going. And then also supposed to be the matron of honor. I mean, come on. So, yeah, that I don't know where they were going with that, but that kind of chapped my hiney just a smidge, even though I know it's not a real. But yeah. let's face it, women really were kind of in that kind of situation back then. Still, a lot yeah. of women are. Yeah. And, you know, me, I'm not a big Me Too movement, yeah. all that stuff. But, you know, I don't I don't think anybody should be the boss of you when it comes to certain things like that. But then again, Samantha, yeah. Samantha might have been well, also- going to the wedding during the day because we didn't see her during the day at all. So she might have been popping in and popping out of the wedding for all we know. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. You know, when Samantha ever gets caught, what does, what does Samantha do whenever she gets caught? She goes, well, well. 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 <laughs> Well, <laughs> she says uh, it, you know, it's got to be yeah. said the right way. Well, but I have to sit there and say that, yeah, I think that whoever wrote this episode, um, I think that adding that bit on didn't do Darren any favors. No, it didn't do one. And then it just, yeah. it just kind of makes you hostile towards him. Maybe it's because I'm kind of like an eighties, nineties, two thousands chick. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it kind of makes it, it just like, Oh, if Scott ever told me that, he would he would be scared to sleep at night. I mean, seriously, you know. Well, one of the reasons I was frustrated is that Darren always wants Samantha to be a part of his side of the family and all of his family engagements with him. But then she can't have anything to do with her own family because they're witches. And it's just so crappy because you're going to isolate her to be in your world and you'll, you're never going to let her out of your sight to be a part of her family, even just to Precisely. be engaged with yeah. her family, not because they're witches. And that's what made me the most angry. It's like you put, you put her, you make her do all of this stuff. Um, you make her do the housework, uh, cook for your family, but then she can't go visit her family to a wedding wow. when she's I mean, invited, especially honest, to he, engage he, he, as a matron of honor. Like, I just don't understand. Yeah. But, but he doesn't make her, it's, it's, it's a life that she's chosen for herself as far well, as yeah, the it's a life that she's chosen, but you know, it's a, part but, as far, yeah. but as far as you were saying before. Yeah. I mean. It's a it's a family wedding. This person requested them to be, and that's a big deal. Maid of honor. I mean, and, and then just to say no. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, it'd be hard. But I you know, it house. wasn't that Samantha's choice. Because if Darren would have been like, okay, yeah, you should go, she would have gone. I, I'm pretty sure she yeah, would have gone because she's supportive. It's not like she has. You know, Darren sometimes allows her to be, to engage with certain members of of her family, but well, with allows, other members, see, like no, you, you use can't that engage. word allows. That word just doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know if he allows it. I don't think he has any control over it because they just pop in whenever they right. want. <laughs> Literally, sometimes. In, but so. there are there are certain family members. Like if he does have control, like for, for instance, if Aunt Clara, um, you know, she's a nicer person, so she wouldn't force herself on Darren if Darren didn't want but 
there are moments when Darren probably would rather not have Aunt Clara just because she's older and it can get underfoot sometimes. And if he feels that way, he, likes he would Aunt probably Clara, be more inclined though. to politely yeah, say, he likes Aunt no, Clara, I, I just I can't deal with that today. Yeah, but I'm just giving you an example. If he didn't like Aunt Clara, he could I mean, I, I just as the, easily the, do that. But with heads, there, there, there are a couple like, of um, relatives know, that are going to pop. There are going to be a couple of relatives that will pop in that are not the greatest people to yeah. have around. They add a lot of comedy and they make a lot of fun, but exactly. I'm not sure, I'm uh, not yeah. sure how how much fun I would like having Uncle Arthur popping. I know. I was just sitting there thinking that Uncle <laughs> Arthur, when he comes into the picture, it's like it's on. <laughs> it's <just laughs> Serena, on. Serena bugs me. Serena bugs me. Serena's not a likable character, but that's a, another story for another. Well, she's an annoying uh, when we child, get to those so. episodes, but uh, I mean, I have to say that. The way this story is constructed is constructed very, very well because it is done like a murder mystery. There is a mystery right. going on here, and I like the way that it, the way that it's panned out and That's the true. way that how it all comes out. Mm. But at what price are we being paid? We get we get Darren blaming everything, every bad thing in his life on witchcraft, every yeah. single bad thing, and this is like well. Even to the point where he blames Samantha, which it always bugs me that he blames her first rather than like look, blame Pandora himself. or something we, like we that. We should look at himself, basically. Well, you got to yeah. admit this. Yeah, which he never he's does. It's always person. He's annoying as hell. Where have I seen him before? His face looks so familiar. And it's driving me nuts. I thought uh, so too. Maybe like Twilight Zone or something. That's what I don't I know. I thought I'd seen him in a Twilight Zone episode. I could I'm not quite sure. Um, he play. He plays cheesy very well yeah yeah very cheesy. smarmy cheesy smarmy oh my god he got on your under your skin so you knew he was doing a good job you know i mean, I mean how annoying that's was why he? i was hoping he was a warlock <laughs> well he was in petticoat junction that's okay that's where i've seen him okay law and order i've never watched that show the shaggy da okay um the strongest man in the world the million dollar duck. Yeah, he's the the Paul Lynn show. Oh my god, yep, that is him. I guess I just didn't recognize him because he um because he had gotten older. Now it makes perfect sense. He just didn't look like him as younger because I'm not used to seeing younger him. The flying nun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So he's talk been, about, he's been talk about a show with a recurring um storyline over and over. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, had but, a, um, he's had quite a career, actually. But um, yeah, and I think, but I did. It's kind of weird because you. I don't know if you're supposed to feel sorry for Darren at this point or anything like that. But Darren, this is like one of those Darren is a dick episodes. He is, yes, and he all the way through it, from the morning did. from the the, the marriage yeah. until you get to you know the point where all this bad stuff is happening to him. And I'm not sure if we, the audience, are supposed to feel bad for Darren for this, but. Yeah, I I don't think I think it's I think the way the story is constructed is very very clear. And I think that the, the writers ve- did a very good job on the con- construction of the story, the making this mystery. And then when when they unravel the mystery and you find out how everything happened and the reason why everything is happening the way it had happened, and it's not done through magic, was extremely clever. My hats go off on that side of it. Right. But but yeah, it's unfortunately. Yeah, this is a Darren is a dick episode. This is this is you know these do come along every once in a while. Yeah. Like Darren is a dick, and 
And you don't really get a sincere apology that you normally get when Darren, when normally when there is a dick episode, what you also get is that he realized that he was wrong. And then you get this heart, heart, um, one-to-one where he tells Samantha he loves her. Samantha tells him he loves her. And then he kind of have this, like, this, you know, they come back together. You didn't get that here actually at all. Darren didn't take responsibility for him being a dick yeah. any of this episode. And I found that a bit disappointing. He hardly ever takes any responsibility for his attitude. Um, I mean, no, when, when, he, when, he, when he accuses Samantha wrongly, he always apologizes and takes responsibility that he was in the well, wrong. Well, you would think He's he'd get along with the family this. a lot if he wouldn't be so adversarial <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know he gets a little bit, but I mean, he could try a little harder. Yeah. I mean, I guess... I mean, that's the, I guess this is the problem with this being a sitcom as well, because the whole sitcom is basically built on Darren, uh, this whole premise. And that's what, this is what we're going to get seven years of, this whole premise. Right. And, you know, if they did change, that's what they're it saying. It would funny, I know. If Darren changed, and that's what they're saying, he was accepting of it, we wouldn't have a show whatsoever. Yeah, through that, through that. With this format. And... I think the show Saving Grace is basically is because it's this cast of fantastic actors and characters. Because let's just sit there and say, let's say that they miss they misstepped anywhere in the casting of this. This show would have been off the air like that after about a year. Yeah. So, you know, so I think that's you know what I'm wondering though from. when they when they do that. I mean, not so much that you know he had it coming with this uh, Gideon Woodset, and he you know he's annoying and he's a backbiting little shit that you, people who worked in offices before they understand exactly what this guy is because you always got the brown oh, yeah. nose. He wants to start trouble, you know, and and just get under your skin, make you look bad. But, you know, you're sitting there wondering, it's like, why would the writers, I think that a point of contention back then might be that women, you know, might have been starting to be more, what's the word I hate using, woke, as to, you know, there's a whole other world out there besides being a housewife, and I don't really want to be told what to do anymore, kind of thing. Mm. It's not the June Cleaver days have probably started to evolve out of that. Kind of sort well, of. Well, this is still 1964. That's 19. That's for um, I am woman. And all that is 1968 to 69. That's right. When e, that ERA all starts in about the right. That's that's coming the next three to four years, and right. we do see we do start seeing a shift in Bewitched around that time where you start right. seeing a changing of the times, and you'll you'll see the women characters being a bit different. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But this time, I mean, we're still we're still very much stuck in Dick the Dick the Dick Van Dyke show, you know, right. Laura, you know, Mary Tyler Moore is Dick Van Dyke's wife. Is that oh, kind of scenario, isn't it? Where she's at home and you get the husband working in some kind of media job and sort of thing. So. Right. From the co-writers of the Amazon top-selling serial story, Time Slingers, comes a new full cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, a supernatural steampunk western. 14 different characters voiced by 11 professional voice performers. A Korean bounty hunter named Flint finds himself in the middle of an occult plot to steal a powerful relic from an innocent woman. Get me the Iron Spur, and I will show you true power. Caught between the desperate sheriff who's becoming unhinged at the worst possible time. He mutters the word like a curse dipped in sarcasm. I draw my gun and shoot him between the eyes. And the phantom woman haunting his nightmares. The living always think the dead are worse off. Flint will have to make a choice. Confront the sheriff's posse of misfits 
or run, but he's losing time. An ogre of a man with a gatling gun for an arm. The brash and headstrong Pinkerton agent, Geraldine Abernathy. And a young, speedster idiot ludicrously named Fancy Dude. They'll all converge at the home of a widow who's lost everything but possesses the relic they all desire, the Iron Spur. Damn that trinket to hell. I don't care what it is or what it does or why the Duskfinders want it. I care about my children. Death of a Bounty Hunter. The weird western you've been waiting for. Available on www.deathofabountyhunter.com. So that brings us to our next part of the show where we discuss um, our favorite episode and our least favorite episode. Favorite episode. So, Jesse, I'll start with you because Vicky loves this part so much. What's your favorite episode <laughs> of this block and what's your least favorite episode of this block? <laughs> hmm. I think my, my, my most favorite, hmm. it's hard to say because it might be the first one or it might be the very last one um, is for Aardvark or um, Your Witch is Showing. Because um, I really liked both of them, but I didn't like um, the cat one where he was on the boat with the client. I just, I, I was missing the rest of the characters. I don't really like when the episodes are just mostly all about Darren. It's kind of frustrating because it's really, it, it's fun to see him get messed with, but I still would have preferred, I don't know. I would have preferred something completely different, um, but I liked the other two the, um, much better just because, um you know, they are more heartwarming, heartfelt. And then the last one was, um, I guess, mysterious. And it was a, a newer one for me, too, just because I haven't seen that in such a long time. So I might be biased just because of that. But those ones were definitely, I think, my most favorite. And what about yourself, Bix? Well, I'd have to say it was kind of a toss-up for my favorite one between um, when Endora is messing with uh, Darren's uh, dead a little bit not so much that but and when when darren hurts his ankle so it's probably gonna be the one where darren hurts his ankle only because i think it's kind of funny where he gets that little taste of witchcraft where he's like hmm, this isn't so bad after all kind of thing but does eventually come back to earth because samantha shows him it's like well we don't need all this crap we have each other kind of thing so that that was kind of a happy go lucky episode and it had all the characters in it. I, the only reason I, I'll have to agree with Jesse on the cat's meow episode 18 is only because not because I didn't enjoy the acting and stuff, but I do like to see the interaction with Endora and Aunt Clara and Aunt Bertha. And so I just like seeing more people. It's not that it was a bad episode. I just like the interaction with the other characters as well. But I mean, it was, it was what, exactly. what it's about. It is kind of funny because he's talking to the animals, and you know, these people are starting to think he's kind of batshit, you know, because they don't understand what's going on, and he thinks that his wife is there spying on him. But it, it was a great episode. I, I just didn't prefer it as much as I did the other three. That's all. My favorite episode is a nice little dinner party. I love the interaction with Darren's parents and Samantha, I like that too. and I love. And Dora coming in and just the family dynamics and the way that Played out. the way the whole thing plans out. And I, you know, I am a sucker for when you get one of those thingies and we actually feel emotion and you feel yourself to kind of choking up a little bit. And it kind of always catches me by surprise, especially in a show like this, where it's like, <gasps> you know, and I think, you know, I, I, I felt that time when um, 
you know, Darren and Aunt Clara had their heart to heart that time. It's like, you oh know, yeah, and, that's right. I forgot about that. And, you know, and, and he's and, trying and, to explain stuff to her, and you know, yeah. yeah. And he always and and you know, and he always, you know, and that's what I love about Bewitched is what you know the comedy's fine and everything like that. I just want to love it, but when you get those touching moments and it, it plays really, really well, and you got such a fantastic cast and they're doing a fantastic job, and that's the reason for that. My least favorite is your witches showing. Um, I love the cleverness of the script, the way it pans out and the mystery of it. But I really have a problem when you have Darren as a dick episode <laughs> and that there is no resolution between Darren. T- Normally, I don't mind when Darren's a dick and Darren takes responsibility and he apologizes to Samantha and they do a making up situation where he says that he was wrong. But you don't get that in this episode. And this episode needed it because he's blaming her family. He's blaming her. He's blaming everyone but himself for what is going on in his life. And so he doesn't take responsibility. So that it kind of sits uneasy for me, though. I do think it's very, very cleverly done as far as the script right. goes. I just think well, that they- well, it is kind of peevy. It is kind of annoying watching him. It's like you can't go. I mean, it's like, come on, this is a grown woman. But so that annoyed me. But it, but it's not even that. Even when things are going wrong, he's blaming Samantha. He's blaming Samantha's family. That's and right. When, he was oh, kind when, of a crybaby. And then and then when Samantha finds out, I mean, a lot of things are going wrong. So, I mean, it's fair enough that he would feel that way, right? I mean, I would have thought that basically. It's like you know, he's stolen his ideas. All the stuff's going wrong at the same exact time that Endora. So I can understand that. But when Samantha gets to the bottom of it and it comes to find out what exactly is going on, and basically he's a mere mortal, he's just a, he's a brown-nosed, suck-faced dickhead. Right. And that when Darren finds that out, at that point, what we should have got is, oh, Samantha, I'm so sorry, I should never thought that, da 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 or whatever kind of resolution situation we got between Samantha and Darren. But Darren doesn't do that. Oh, he goes... Oh, it's good that, you know, it's good that we know that he was like that. And that's the end of the episode. He doesn't take responsibility for everything that he's done up um, from the previous. No, from, just like, scene. yep, see ya, what want to be ya. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so yeah, that's that's probably why it's the most annoying for me. As far as the cat's meow, I I, I like the cat's meow. I, I thought it was cute. Not A is for Adverk. I like that. So, but like my favorite, that. my favorite is a nice little dinner party. Anytime that touches at my heart, it's pretty much it's got me i just so. find it so unbelievable sometimes that your little heart strings get tugged and you're so mean to me all the time well, <laughs> i have empathy for fictional characters what can i say <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> so. So um, let's talk about overall. Um, so in the cast of things, uh, these four episodes overall, what are your final impressions? Starting with Vicky. I thought they were pretty strong. I thought the writing was good. Um, you know, I, I didn't really find, I, like, like we were talking about in your witches showing, I don't understand where the writers were going with that. I don't know if they were trying to stir some shit, <laughs> you yeah. know, in a social, cultural kind of way. But I don't know if maybe it was the time I was just born in 64. So I wouldn't have any clue what was going on. My parents never acted that way around each other, even though mom, for the most part, always took care of us and stayed home. She quit her work to stay home with us and then went back to work when I was in high school. But my father would never tell my mother, no, you can't. <laughs> I would, he still won't do it. And they're 88. So, you know, what's quite interesting, actually, is Bernard Slade wrote the article, wrote the episode where Aunt Clara meets Darren's parents, but he also right. wrote the one where Andorra meets Darren's parents. 
same really? writer. So that makes a bit of sense, the reason why he had the little heart scene. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, now as far as your witches show, and that was actually written by a female. Written by a female. So that's quite interesting, actually. Well, you know, I've always said at some point, people always oh. get mad at me. Sometimes, you know, women, I don't, I don't have a clue where their brain is going sometimes when it comes to the movements these days. So uh, Maybe that's the reason why Dick is, Darren is a dick. Maybe that's the reason Darren that is, could is be. a dick episode. She, just, she, just, by know, a woman, maybe. she could have been projecting. She it's might possible. be. So. But I thought yeah. they were all strong, all strong episodes. And without I mean, your stuff, Jess? good about all of them they they were all comedic either that or they pulled your heartstring i mean i like the one with the interaction with uh, darren's parents you know and how they still realize they love each other you know yeah. that was kind of cool because let's face it you know the honeymoon is over after a while and you got to find new ways to appreciate each other and love each other so it, it happens midlife yeah. crises and all that but i thought they were well written yeah. so far out about a lot of them but i mean there are you're gonna have hit and miss where you don't like how something you know was not written to your expectations but i mean depends on your opinion and that's all that is somebody else might have a different opinion what about your what about yourself jess what are your overall thoughts about these four episodes uh i mean i really like them i i i'm always reminded at how well Samantha handles situations and i wish i was as well i was as good at handling situations that really bother me as well as she is because she just she she handles it like i don't know a superhuman i, I she is i guess but i don't know I, I don't i wouldn't have as much patience in every situation like that i would want to say something whenever i sense like an injustice or something i always want to like have a conversation with someone and i might not be as nice i'm not like a mean person about <laughs> but it I but sense i injustice. might not be as patient or <laughs> when you yeah off. i don't know it's hard to explain but <laughs> yeah like if people cross me like there is a point i'm i'm patient to a point but sometimes when there are moments when i feel like especially when it involves other people i do feel like i have to say something and i might not always handle it as well as i should but oh, I, don't I know how you feel the humans i guess we're faulted that way <laughs> well you know um, but people I, I, just I do got wonder, it like, if this was written <laughs> I know, and but sometimes I do wonder, like, if this was written today, what it would have, how would it would have um, taken Better place, received. just because of you know, like, what would a modern Darren be like, or even if it wasn't um, a modern, even if it was still set in the sixties, but still, yes, but modern today. Darren would probably have a man bun and a romper on. Oh no, please don't! But <laughs> I do wonder if his character would have been more softer towards Samantha, or at some point would it ever wish- been accepting. <laughs> I feel sorry for men in this day and age, gay or otherwise. I think I think if I think if this is done today, it'd be a totally different show. It would be oh, a totally God, different yeah. show. It would yeah, it, it definitely would have. It's and it, and would've. I don't think it would have the magic that it has. No, not at all. Him. Not at all. So. The magic the magic doesn't even come from the magic um like sequences itself. It comes from like the heart of the show and the messages yeah. that it's trying to convey. Well, look and at the, the magic being a metaphor for those Nicole things. Kidman. I, I just, it just didn't, didn't, I didn't jive with that movie at all. Not that the acting was bad, but it just. Well, look at, look at when they tried to update it in the, um, the early eighties with the TV series, Tab- um, Tabitha. Tabitha. Yeah. That didn't work either. And, I haven't watched that. And, um, you know, they had, they had, you know, the witch's family in there and Adam was immortal. The right. brother was in it and Tabitha and it failed. Um, I, I think, <sighs> 
I mean, I would love to see an update, you know, to be which brought back, but I got a feeling that I don't think it ever should be. I don't think it should ever be tampered with because I think that you're never going to get another Elizabeth Montgomery. You're never going to get another Dick York. You're never going to get another time and another place. And and we don't have character actors now. We really don't. No. You know what are you going to do? Have Shirley MacLaine pop in at one point, or you get, or anybody really? I mean, all the character actors dying off. I think the last character actress that we had, basically Doris Roberts, and didn't she just die? So you know, Edith Edie McClure's gone. You know, all all those little quirky characters are no longer. You know, we don't really have those quirky characters anymore. I know who would they who would they bring in to do any of that now? Who would be Uncle Arthur? Well, I mean. You know, well, you know, it'd probably be it'd probably be a reject from one of those gay actors from American Horror Story, wouldn't it? Possibly, possibly. You know, Who did Uncle Arthur? Arthur? I didn't mind Steve Carell. What? I didn't mind Steve Carell as Uncle Arthur. Okay, that's what I was just gonna say, Steve Carell. Yeah, but now, now because you, I mean, but now if he's playing it now, that'd probably be offensive. Yeah, you couldn't kid around. Yeah. It would be all about gay politics or something. Yeah, and you couldn't, I mean, another thing is you couldn't, um, you know, Darren, you know, if Darren was controlling over his wife, that's, that's, that's running into a, a, a gender politics that you can't do now. Yeah, you can't do and some of these jokes. I mean, you couldn't have Larry joking about what he's doing, because that's sexual harassment. That's a gender politic. Right. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, um, the, the stepmother, you know, the, the mother-in-law just popping in and out you can't do that now because that that is a, that's the politics against um privacy you know what i mean we're living yeah. in a different time that basically some of the stuff that show they know it's funny and i love the show but look if you look at through a 2020 lens and they let's say they say they wanted to do that a lot of these shows there would be a lot of groups buying it to problematic unfortunately you know but it, but I think it's that in a it's almost like you can't enjoy anything, any form of fiction without it being with engaged in, in politics somehow. Yeah, someone's always going to find everything offensive. Now, to be honest, when it comes to offensiveness, yeah, and it's very interesting. There, there's some stuff on Netflix that's quite interesting to watch at the moment about this. But the the people who tend to be offended are such a small minority, but they have the loudest voices. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. But but there but there are uh, but there, but there's not that many people actually. If you ask most people, it's always tends to be these really small knit people sort of thing that find it. And um they're and it's quite funny because you got a lot of comedians and a lot of people starting to speak out about this at the moment. So who knows? It might change in the next twenty twenty one might be a time that we start seeing this change go back to oh, who, who a little bit more freedom about what you're discussing. They hope so. So. People have got to lighten up. I mean, you, we can all make. I can make fun of myself and laugh. God, you, you're always roasted me about something. I still laugh about it. I'm not going and crying about it and getting a lawyer. No <laughs> one <But>. likes. <laughs> yeah, no one likes to be around people who are so miserable and nitpicky all the time. You can't be happy with yourself either when you're like that. When you take everything as an offense, even when no one's even referring or looking at you, or assume that someone doesn't. I, I, whatever the case is, I mean, you can't mm-hmm. always assume the worst about every situation, and that's yeah. the case that it is with these people. You have to people enjoy things and up. see optimis, see optimism, and have a good attitude, and work with what you got. You're not going to be liked by everybody. It's it's best that you learn that early on. I think in your you life, you got to learn to laugh at okay yourself. You got to laugh at yourself. Understand what your insecurities are. Be comfortable yeah, with exactly. your insecurities and learn to laugh at yourself. That's what you got to do. At the end of the day, you got to laugh at. 
Yeah. And if you can't work on yourself. Yeah, precisely. If there's something you don't, the there's something you don't like, <laughs> then fix it. Making yourself the police yeah. of everything that you find. And I also think, I also find that if you're offended, then there's, you have, there's a problem with you. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not. A, it's, it's always with you. Not a, you can't I'm control not the action. by anything. The only time I'm offended is someone says something to me on a one-to-one level, and um, and you know that they're being mean about it. Right. And then I'm offended because that's that's yeah. that's a personal attack. But other other than that, I'm not. I mean, you can, you know, you can call me any kind of gay slur you want. I don't find it offensive. It doesn't bother me. The words the words only have power if you give them meaning. Yeah, this you know? is true. You know, I mean, someone can call it to me tomorrow. Some people would argue otherwise. <laughs> Somebody, you know, the thing is, I know people who don't like Americans. Fair enough. I don't care, you know. Yeah. You know, and if they don't like them, fine. I got people who don't like gays. That's fine. I don't, that's fine. If you don't like them, that's fine. That's up to you. That's your prerogative. That's the joy of being in a free country. Right. You know, we're, our, you know, I think I mentioned in our newsletter that it's our differences that make us strong sort of right. thing. I don't want everyone looking the freaking same and being the same exact person because to be honest, I get bored. I'd be bored with you after two minutes, actually, if everyone's the same. It's the, it's the differences that makes us special. Right. And, you know, and you, you have exactly. to, and you have to, you have to relish everything like that. And I think we said in the Hunchback and Notre Dame podcast that, you know, fusion's where it's at. You know, the thing is, you don't want just Chinese food anymore or Mexican. You want Mexican fusion, which is a bunch of total different, you know, different ideas and flavors all being mixed together. And that's what we should be living in. And I love restaurants like that, that just that don't just have one cuisine. They have a different. I love fusion restaurants. I really do. Those are my favorite places to go. And that's what we should be doing is just enjoying the fusion. But then again, sometimes, you know, sometimes you get a crap recipe and you should be able to say that's crap. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I screwed up. Didn't turn out the way I like. So I made Asher a red velvet cake for Christmas time. And I don't know how this happened. I made two of them. The first one turned out and I've never, I, you always see it on TV, how the cake falls. Uh-huh. Like it, like Lucy, this cake fell. I have never had a cake fall on me ever. So I put a whole bunch Aww. of extra frosting on that one end to make it bring it back up. There are always ways to work around it, people. <laughs> There's an easier way. What they have you ever seen them in those um, cake shows? They always uh-huh. use rice rice crispy treats, and they build the cake up to make oh, them. Really? I didn't know yeah, that. So it's always, it's always Rice Krispie Treats. So there's a bit of marshmallow and Rice Krispie. That's all well, you I've need. never had that problem because we have a really solid floor. I remember when I was a kid, my mother go, don't, because we had the pier and beam the cellar downstairs. Oh, yeah. Jump up and down on the floor. The cake is going to fall. You know, and I've never had that. This yeah. is the first time in my 50 plus years on the planet I've ever had a cake go, <laughs> like right yeah. in the middle. It's like, what I, the fuck? I remember like baking, my mom baking cakes and saying, oh, you had to be really careful. It, yeah, don't be, jump or walk hard on the floor. Yeah, don't go, don't go walking in the kitchen and baking <laughs> <Yeah>. the cake. <laughs> oh, God, memories, I'm telling you. Good times. Now, my thought of these four episodes is that I think they're all very, very strong. I really, I, I mean, to be honest, they're very, very strong. There wasn't a, I mean, there, has, there hasn't been a, a week episode there there we hit one week episode i think when that we was with the, the two young kids that was kind the of because i found that was a bit weak but i have to sit there and say that anytime that bernard slade writes one of these episodes it's always going to be a winner for me yeah and you he know bernard, he does put something else into it 
Well, Bernard Slade, I mean, he's written some some of the one of my favorite all every one of my favorite episodes are ones that he's written. So I always look out for see if he's written this one. So right. So you know, he wrote. You know, Bernard Slade also wrote. Uh, let me see. Take here. He wrote the one. The witches are out. About the you know the witches um, with going against ugly witches. The campaign. Yeah. That's a Bernard Slade. That's one, one of my favorite episodes. I love that one. Witcher wife when um um they they um mm-hmm. Samantha goes off to Paris and he's, she's not supposed to be there. That's another Bernard Slade one. So yeah, um so on and so forth. But yeah, whenever Bernard Slade writes one of the episodes, I'm in. So but yeah, I think I think these are really good episodes sort of thing. So yeah, I'm happy with them. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast, the Witched episode. Next month, we'll be covering episodes 21 to 25. 24. 21, 22, 23, 24. 21 to 24. That's correct. All right. Don't want to add one more in there, otherwise we'll be square-eyed. Um, next next week, our mom, Nature versus Man will be 28 days later and 28 months later. And then we will be covering, of course, our Dark Shadows, which we'll be doing 461 to 482, I think, or 481, that, quite that, sure. That, so we'll be doing that, where Victoria Winters comes back from 1795, and we'll have our views on that. And then, of course, our next book to screen will be The Time Machine by H.G. Wells. So let's get, um, make sure that you sign up for our newsletter, which is www.llpodcast.com, and sign up for a newsletter. It comes out once a month, and there's a free giveaway at this month's one. And, of course, you... We do have competitions where you can win yourself a hoodie during the winter time, and it's winter time, and they're really nice hoodies, apparently. Yes, so, they yeah. are. And of course, it does have a link to the store. So if you're actually interested in on buying any of our goods, there are dark hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, shower curtains, pillows, so Cheese on strings. and so forth. <laughs> Cheese strings, yes, <laughs> I think, and socks. We have some literary licensed podcast socks. We're gonna get Jesse a G-string. <laughs> <laughs> If you buy the G-string, uh, Jesse will come over and model oh, it. Oh, yeah. We'll have a model it for you. We'll sexually harass him oh, on live stream. That's, that's oh, what he's Just don't bring, just don't bring uh, Larry Tate into the room, please. <laughs> We're serious. That's what he's yes. wearing underneath that Christmas box. <laughs> We're serious, though, Jess. We're serious, Jess. <laughs> Ratings. Kidding. You can't just pawn me off like that. <laughs> If it's good enough for Larry Tate doing it to Darren, it's good enough for us doing it to you. That's <laughs> so, right. So, but anyway, make sure you comment, <laughs> share, and we'll see you next week. So it's goodbye for myself and goodbye, Vicky. Goodbye, everybody. Stay goodbye, safe. Jesse. Goodbye, Jesse. Goodbye. I will not be arriving at anyone's house with Jesse's really worried about so the G-string. Cross her off your list. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot. Maybe He's next a- year. <laughs> I forgot. It'll be a jock strap instead. So yeah, that's good night for myself. And have happy New Year, and we'll see you oh, next yeah. month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You live your life in the songs you hear on the rock and roll radio. And when a young girl doesn't have any friends, that's a really nice place to go. Folks hoping you'd turn out cool. But they had to take you out of school You're a little touched, you know And you baby
Say. 